Ah, Cabrini Green, Candyman country. Well, if you're after the hookman, Helen, you really must read the paper I wrote about him ten years ago. I mean, you do know the story, don't you? No. <laughs> Come along, everyone. Step right up. Hey, welcome back to House of a Thousand Horrors. I am Jordan. Got my co-host Riley with me. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Well, we also have female listeners, so don't say guys. Oh, shit. All right. You just well, I mean, cancel it could out. be non-binary, dude. That's half it's the population now we can't listen to. Cool, dude. Okay. Oh, fuck. You're in the mindset of 1995, bro. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. Oh, good segue, dude. Today we're yeah. doing Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh, from 1995. And funny little tidbit, did you know that the name Farewell to Flesh derives from the Latin word of carnival? Because carnival in Latin is farewell and meet. Wait, so you did watch the first 10 minutes of this movie where they explained that? I tried to, yeah. And then I got really fucking pissed off. And I took a break, got back to it, had a couple of gummy snacks, you know, a little bit of candy. Wait, this was a two-parter for you? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I I did not fucking read a synopsis about this and skip the movie entirely. No, that is not at all what I did, Jordan. Hey, at least you got that interesting tidbit. I will say Home Sweet Home was definitely a two-parter for me. So you still <laughs> owe right, me for yeah, that okay. one. <laughs> now, now you're just being fucking malicious. This is your first time watching this, right? Yeah. No, I. to be fair, I had no idea about the second one. I think in my mind, I thought the third one was the sequel. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you just didn't know they had sequels, that's even better because then you could have just gone your life being like, yeah, well, they just made a great yeah, dude, movie. Candyman's and- fucking awesome. What do you mean it turns to shit? It's just one movie, right? One day there will be a great horror movie that has like a killer in it that won't have a sequel and it'll just stand on its own. But until that time... Yeah, we're going to be fucking dead by then, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when AI is going to be writing our uh, horror movies from there. Well, I got the synopsis because actually crazy... Um, what would you call that? I want, I, it is a coincidence, but I feel like it was just a good omen. Fucking omen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you my, worded it, it was perfect. <laughs> my girlfriend found... VHS of Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh at Goodwill today and picked it up. So not only do I own that now, but I can also read the synopsis straight from the back of the VHS. God, ain't, ain't that fucking poetic you found uh, Farewell to the Flesh in a fucking Goodwill? Yep, and some would say <laughs> that's where it belongs. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Clive Barker, this is a long one. <laughs> Clive Barker. I'm ready. I haven't even heard this yet. So oh, be a let me hit you with this. Too. Straight facts. All right. Clive Clive Barker's atmospheric tale of nerve-shredding terror continues as the original Candyman, Tony Todd, takes up where he left off in a film hailed by critics as blood-curdling and richer and scarier than the original. The legend and the horror began a century ago when the Candyman was mutilated by an angry crowd and stung to death by bees. Now, in the midst of New Orleans' wild Mardi Gras celebration, he is back a hook for a hand to destroy the descendants of those who destroyed him. And this time, there will be hell to pay. For Annie Tarrant, a New Orleans school teacher, the Candyman is more than a legend whispered by her pupils. Years ago, her father was gruesomely murdered, and rumors said he was killed by the Candyman. She shrugs off the gossip until she hears a voice calling her to be my victim. 
Her past just caught up with her future as the Candyman unleashes his fury on a new generation. Their darkest nightmare is waiting just behind the surface of the nearest mirror. All they have to do is repeat his name. Candyman. 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 Dot, dot, dot. That's four times. <laughs> that is a long synopsis. <laughs> Don't know if Dude, that entices me to buy it. <laughs> that fucking synopsis gave more fucking... Ex- it, it gave more... What what is what is the word I want to use? Exposition. Because yeah. when you watch this with nothing, I, I watched no trailers. I came into this completely blind because, hey, that's how you're supposed to watch horror movies, you know? For sure. You have no, you have no idea what to expect, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. It, dude, <laughs> I shit you not, in my fucking notes, it took me literally fucking like 40 minutes to understand who the fuck Annie was, you know, and, and everything that just happened before that, before I kind of started putting things together. This is almost like the version of like how every trailer now, which is why I don't do trailers, like explains the whole yeah. story, everything you're about to walk into. This is like, you didn't have to include all of that. It like bounced around. It's, it's a little much and I don't think it's very uh, enticing, but, uh, yeah. let's cover some of the, the, uh, basics that we're working with here of course like we said this was released in march 19th 1995 um the tagline is evil comes when you call his name and the second one is this is real dare you to say his name five times dot 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 again (laughs) (laughs) mine on this vhs it literally just it doesn't have a tagline it just has at the top um Scarier than the original by Fort Worth Star. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. Rough. Oh, my God. Really? Rough. And on the back, it says, Dude. scary as hell in quotations, Atlanta Tribune. Oh, my God. Gosh. And Clive Barker's ultimate horror legend returns, which is something we got to talk about because Clive Barker's name is getting thrown a lot, even on the back of this VHS. I wonder how he feels. Dude, they are fucking disrespecting the man. And I'll tell you what, I'm about to go fucking full chris on this one i'm gonna oh. tell you right now jordan <laughs> well i don't know if i mean clive barker's getting cut paychecks from it but he's getting uh you know checks from it just because of he, he's still got the writer credit and producer credit probably for every candy man ever you know probably worked yeah. that into the deal um oh my experience though with this movie though is i have seen it i think only once not memorable i mean as i was watching it things were like oh yeah 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 like but like i could not have told you the like what happens or anything it's just like when you it is all over the place man <laughs> it you go from zero to a hundred the and highs and the no lows idea man. what's going on in the beginning like that's that's I, true. normally i'm super like you know i'm very nice you know level-headed this fucking movie definitely tilted me Th- this movie fucking made me irrationally upset well <laughs> Actually, I want to see if that part where you said it remind me of that what you said though about not knowing what's going on because that actually is interesting for it's, Candyman. Yeah, not to like because I was gonna say I was rewatching it too. I, I I watched it a little bit for the second time just for the first half because I was the most lost at the first half. And granted, it's because I'm well, only really seeing it again I, for a second time. I, I do want to get into that. Just save that for one second. Yeah. That's a good thought. Gotcha. All right, all right. Um, I'm impatient, I'm thirsty. <laughs> no, that's good stuff. Because I do have some <laughs> things to say. Um, budget was reported at $6 million. Um, it looks like it straight up made it back, though, because opening weekend it's showing a $6 million. 
and a gross of like thirteen million. So psh, hey, they still made their money back on this, which is <laughs> something to be said. Yeah. So in quotations, mission complete, I guess. I think it was probably just enough good timing, like like I said, I don't think Candyman was a massive success, but it was successful enough that they basically gave it the same budget again. After a few years, there was some hype. Probably enough people had seen it that, like, I think it did better on this. Definitely did better on this opening weekend than the first, of course. Um, yeah, it's that's, filled. Yeah, that's a common occurrence with sequels, too, with a lot of movies. Like, sequels will get more traction than the first movies, really. Well, yeah, especially this is about the time where you know, maybe a few years later is when it starts being like a sequel's already basically worked into the deal. Like, hey, if this is a success, which is every movie now, like, you know, you expect it to be a success and have the sequel like lined up. A lot of it doesn't happen, but they just got their sights case. on that profit. That's why they want to, you know, for sure, double the money. You know, yeah, and so that's why they're so shoddily thrown together a lot of times. Ugh. Um, filmed in New Orleans, which is basically, I mean, you can definitely tell. Um, actors, of course, we got Tony Todd back again as the Candyman. Um, Kelly Rowan as Annie Tarrant. Caroline Barclay as Caroline Sullivan. Um, and then just you have Veronica Cartwright as Octavia Tarrant. I don't want to just listen to these names. Do you know anything about these people? Oh, let me do one quick correction, too. We got Michael Culkin yeah. as Philip Purcell, which I thought he... I thought... <laughs> I mentioned the first one. I swear I had heard that. Um... The guy who plays Purcell, the professor, is Bernard Rose, the director of the first one, which is totally not true. So that's a retraction from the first one. Ooh. Someone yeah, gave me some fake awkward. news. Yeah. <laughs> fucking spitting just straight up fucking lies to the people, dude. I know, dude. Hey, at least I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm setting the record straight here. Shit, I, I ate that up too. I guess I'm I'm at fault too because I believed you. I, I want to believe really it good. still. Because he has, like, because I know the original director is British, like Clive Barker, and, like, he's got that same British. He's got the British starter kit. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, that's totally him. He looks like the director of the ponytail and everything. (laughs) He looks like the creative artist, you know? Yeah, yeah. You got that vibe. I I could see that, maybe. Maybe just a little bit. You got anything on these actors? I basically, I didn't want to just list them off, but, I mean, that's basically Yeah, so I'm going to tell you right now, I really only focused on like three actors or you know i will correct myself really quickly there are four talented actors in this film but only three of them are not tony todd (laughs) okay i'm curious (laughs) and uh the first actor which plays as detective ray is david uh polos i think is how you pronounce his name and uh other movies he did were Strictly 90s. He was a 90s actor. He but looks yeah, so I don't familiar. think he's made a film ever since 2005. That was like his last kind of best year of his career so far, at least from what I looked up briefly. Okay. He looks super I really liked familiar. His acting. Uh, the other detective, uh, Faye Hosser, uh, she was very, very good. I really actually liked her performance in this movie, to be fair. Really? Uh, she was super pleasant. I didn't have a problem and, with her. She just was kind of not memorable to me. Oh yeah, like as a character, completely unmemorable. But dude, when you compare like the like the acting talent of those people compared to the main cast, it's like night and day, dude. It's it's fucking ridiculous. Oh my god. Wait, you're not feeling Annie? She's a good actor. She, you know, I'll Kelly I'll get Rowan? to that later. Okay. Because there's there's there are scenes where she is a really good actress, and I'll I'll get to that because there are some really good scenes with her. 
But for the most part, just in the beginning, she it's all about that line delivery, bro. And it was rough. Really? Okay. Yeah. Faye Hauser, she I really, really liked her. She was a very, very talented woman in this performance. Uh and another guy, uh do, 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 Bill Nunn. Uh I had no idea because he, he was the uh the pastor in this film. Oh you yeah. You don't really see him until halfway through. Uh Bill Nunn, he he just caught on my radar. I had no idea. Uh and this is huge for me. He played as uh Robbie Robertson in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogies or trilogy and already you're a fucking G in my book. You I knew I knew him from respect. something. I feel like he was in a bunch of 90s early 2000s movies too. Yeah, uh all of them. <laughs> other were. than in uh the Spider-Man trilogy, he's been in about I'd say maybe yeah, similar to 90s almost with uh David uh, Guinopolos, uh, he was mostly a 90s actor, but he kind of kept it through till like, I'd say maybe, uh, the 2010s, and that's when he kind of just stopped. Yeah, haven't seen these people in, in a while. Same with Kelly Rowland, but I recognize all of them for sure. Yeah, and I, I actually looked at her as well. She's been in a lot of, like, good movies, or just overall, she's been in a lot of, like, movies that are a lot bigger than I initially thought they would be. You know, no offense to her, obviously. I found yeah. like a fucking asshole saying that, but... Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of them have definitely done more work than Tony Todd, even. In yeah, terms of, yeah, like, no, actual... That's crazy to think. ...parts, you know. Tony yeah, Todd has yeah. a lot of cameos after the Candyman series. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, probably. I So you weren't feeling uh, Veronica Cartwright, who was the mom, Octavia Tarrant? You know, bringing her up, yeah, she... You know what... I, I apologize actually because she also was really good. I, I liked her acting a lot too. Yeah, I thought she I was think good. it was just because the character, which was I think you were supposed to kind of not like mm-hmm. because of given what happens. So I think that's kind of what melded my mind to be like, oh, dude, fuck her. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I, I, I literally well, that's good, attached though. her to the act, like the character itself. Then that's yeah, no, good. She was really good too, though. Yeah, if someone makes them, makes you really hate them, not because of their acting, then that's good. They really sold With it. The character? Yeah. yeah, no that, that yeah that is a good way because you get your point across. Like you make people feel these types of ways with characters. Yeah, for like sure. If it's meant to be a hated character and you really feel that hate, you you did a good job. Yeah, definitely. Mission complete. I did it. I thought. Uh, I don't. He again. They all look super familiar. I probably should have done more looking into them. But uh, Tim Carhart is Paul McKeever. He is the yeah that, boyfriend, right? Or no, hus- husband. Yeah, he played as the husband of Anna. Yeah. Yeah, so why is Annie's last name still Tarrant then, huh? <laughs> Wait, why is his name Tarrant? No, her name should be McKeever then. McKeever. Uh, some people get married and they keep their maiden name. No, it's not allowed. <laughs> no, dude. I, I have a hard Ooh, time believing I gotta talk about this that. old Southern family, me. though, didn't have, you know, they, she didn't keep those, like, same thing. I mean, they're from, like, a, basically a slavery, spoiler alert, family. I, You would think that she would take on the last name. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, granted, dude, Twitter wasn't invented back then, so you could get away with a lot. <laughs> what, what can I say, dude? <laughs> she couldn't get canceled. Maybe she's trying to keep her career. That's a, a big reason why <laughs> she had a name to keep, so she didn't want to take a last name and ruin her. She, she probably had a successful podcast, actually. You know what? Probably. You know, we would probably have her on as a guest uh, right now, actually. The Candyman Files. Yeah. Ooh. True crime. Okay, there we go. 
Um, director, we got Bill Condon. Um, the screenplay writer was job, Rand, Rand Ravick. And we still got, you know, like Clyde Barker, like I said, he still gets the story by credits. Um, he also gets the producer credit along with Tim Clausen, Greg Feinberg, Anna Miller, and the same guy from the first one, Sigurion Sigvatsen. And then on the composer side, like we mentioned the first episode, Philip Glass, even though he felt like he got duped for the movie he was doing, he still did the second one just to, um, like, basically they were going to use it anyway since they had the rights. So he's like, well, let me at least, you know, touch it up a bit. So there's still some of the exact same music, but um, I got from his website that uh, they reused and edited along with some new compositions and themes that Mr. Glass contributed to the sequel. So if he hated Candyman 1, who knows? This th- I doubt he even watched Candyman 2. Well, he had to, actually, if he was doing the score. God, that dude, that is rough. Like... That just that just gives me all new respect for him. If he had to sit down and like look at all these scenes without his music, because like I'll be real, there there is a couple of things in this movie that kept me watching, and and they were very few. <laughs> there were very few things that kept me watching this movie, dude. Yeah, I mean his his original score too, when they use it, still really works. Um, oh yeah, they kind of just. I mean, we should just get into because I kind of do you have anything to talk about this stuff because. There's so much to talk about Dude, about I, these people and stuff. I will be 100% real with you. I am so eager to get into this story and this movie, dude. Yeah. I'm really curious about what you have to th- what you have to say. I mean, I, mean I, I have a bunch of fucking notes on my side. So I'm hoping you got the same, dude, because I got timestamps for fucking everything. So I feel like we kind of got to start with, you want to start with what we did like or didn't like? Uh, you know what? I'm <laughs> good news or bad news. Ugh. Uh, is it cool Let's that get... what I do like and what I don't like is a little bit of a spoiler before we kind of get oh, into yeah, like yeah. We can just... the main plot point? All right, all right. Yeah. So, well, hold on one second. Yeah. Candyman, huh? Yes. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. You doing a study on him? Yes, I am. What have you heard? So. Yeah, I say we get into just the uh, the meat of it. Don't worry if there's spoilers. That doesn't that doesn't matter. Right. There's too much to talk about. Opening <laughs> scene though, Yo, a- we got our boy Philip Purcell coming back. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, the I mean, professor. What a what a cameo, man! I'm really glad he came back. So, and that's kind of like right out the gates. And I didn't remember this. I did remember the scene. I'm like, oh, he dies. I didn't remember it being the opening scene though. I did remember this part. Um. But dude, they just go straight out the gates like, hey, we're just every other slasher now where in every movie the sequel kills off someone from the cast that lived in the first one. You know, they just hit the the tropes right out the gates. Dude, yeah, it was. And and just because of how Candyman 1 was so off the grid and, and it was just on the other side of the fence between tropes, like it really did not try at all to get into like, you know, all the generic, you know, tropey, you know, actions. Everything was, like, uninspired. Yeah. And then it's like, they they do a complete fucking 180 in the second movie, and it's like, dude, it's so clear to see that there's just different people working on this story. A hundred percent. And like, and you're in, okay, so we're in New Orleans, so wait, what? First of all, like, right out the gates. Yeah. Why? No, it, a complete fucking retcon, mind <laughs> you, of literally Candyman. Oh, shit. Like, 
dude. Holy well, shit. Like, no, why? I, I looked it up from Chicago to New Orleans. It's 918 miles apart. So That's a lot before the there get- were cars. Yeah. Well, you know, for, it's a 13 hour drive for cars and like a three hour flight. Well, why Candyman's there, we come to find out, is way before car times. So oh, <laughs> they made that voyage. Oh, but th- yeah, yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. so much power in Mystique. I'm not, it's not that I hate that they're in New Orleans, but I kind of do in the sense of Candyman of where they're going because, like, you just knocked it out of the park, made this super just. You know, the Chicago, like, you really felt like you're in it, and, like, they gave you such a good idea of what it was like, and then we're just completely ripped away from that now. Now we're in New Orleans, and they're trying to do that, obviously, with this one. Like, now we're going to do that same thing in New Orleans. It's not. (laughs) like See, and, and like, here's the thing, because Chicago, uh, it was so personified from the first movie. You know, it, it felt so, like... Well, it was tightly packed. It was, it was compact, you know, compelling story. Like literally, show and don't tell. the The mystique behind Candyman and just his overall lore was perfect in the first one. Yeah, like he's tied one. to Chicago. That's the thing. It's not even that I don't want to ever not have a Candyman movie in Chicago, but it's like you sold so much on what Candyman's ties were to this specific area, Cabrini Green in Chicago. So to go right out of there with the second one is crazy. Yeah, for his lore, like, for the story. Here's the thing, too, because like, it, it just in all honesty, I think that the theme of New Orleans, it was conceptually actually pretty cool with Mardi Gras, you know, the the setting and the overall theme of it. Like, I I was kind of down. Me personally, I was like, okay, you know, a little bit weirded out going from Chicago to New Orleans, but you know, it, thematically, I can appreciate this kind of like new turn in a different direction, you know, as a sequel should sort of be, you know, you don't want to regurgitate, even though this fucking movie regurgitates so much of the first one. So so disrespectfully, like to the point where it it fucking pissed me off. That's what's frustrating. Yeah. It's just so fucking frustrating to watch. If they're going to try to do it, they literally just said, let's do the Candyman in new Orleans. Like the same thing though, in a sense, that's what's frustrating. I would have yeah. rather it tied to Chicago still, but make a unique story. Because he's, he's tied to Chicago after if you watch the first movie like that. You know, Candyman is Chicago, is Cabrini Green. It's crazy because I tried to enjoy this movie, but it's like almost every single scene that came up, I always questioned, wait, well, what about the first movie? Wait a minute. <laughs> True. What do you mean? Like, it just... So... To get kind of like a you know a more in depth perspective, can I still talk about the opening? Story. What's up? Can I still talk about the opening though? Yeah, oh yeah, I was I was going back to the. Opening, oh okay, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah no, so we we get this opening with you know a, a Helen cameo, and wait what? Yeah, the, like in the newspaper they talk about her from the first movie. Oh really? Not not yeah not an actual cameo of the person. Wh- and I'll talk about that later. Cause I'm a little, I'm a little bit fucking pissed off. They didn't have Helen. Yes. In this fucking movie, when you lit, like, well, say, it, 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 yeah, I'm gonna save it. Dude. That's I'm, an important oh. part for what that what we didn't like. I have that for sure. Yeah. So let, let yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with what I liked. And in the opening, fuck, it's it's hard to it's hard to choose what I liked in the opening, but. 
Well, just mix it up the, then. Tell me what you're doing. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, care. No, you, we'll keep I'll, it I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I'll bounce off of what you say because I'm so, my head's filled with so much distaste right now. That's, That's the all thing. I can think is negative. I think there's so many, it's kind of lopsided for this one for both of us. So maybe we'll just mix them all together. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to stick with you. So, but they did do a fake out too with the whole, the projector screen yes, and stuff. Like, and like he says, I knew that. Like, Dude, can I be real? As soon as I fucking saw that, that was the first fucking jump scare in this movie where I'm like, no, do not. Do not fucking do that. Do not do that shitty little fucking yeah. sound effect for every jump scare that you have in this movie. And lo and behold, fucking 12 times, I rewatched it so I could count 12 fucking times they used that same sound for every single jump scare. What was it? it, it like, it sounded like a bird. Just like a... <laughs> Like fucking like some kind of fucking raven or crow, dude. Really? Like what? And it made no sense. I'm gonna wait until we get now. To those, I want to watch you know, particular it again. Parts. I did not know. Actually, that. no. Fuck it. Do, do you want to go to the part where he after um, you know, the professor does his whole uh lecture, or do you want to? Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I'll, it I'll, ties into that. What I was gonna say is just the fact yeah. that um. Like, you know, like I was saying, like, you, you hit so many horror tropes right out the gates. First of all, like, we're going to kill the first guy. But what's more annoying is that they do a fake out. And I was actually down. I was like, okay, they're not going to do that. And then right at, within a few minutes, they do do that. So, but here's a, here's the thing, too. Why are they so set on this movie specifically? Does this th- reoccurring thing where Candyman doesn't want an audience? Which you would think for his lore, he's trying to get the story out to as many people as possible. So when he says in his mirror book cover, which is actually, that's pretty good marketing from a book cover standpoint, I will say, for Candyman. Yeah, but, very, very clever. Very yeah, clever. I like that. Him. But so he does it, it says it in the mirror book cover five times. Candyman obviously doesn't show up. He just does a little bit. But why wouldn't Candyman show up then as opposed to when he's all alone in the bathroom? I don't get that. And that happens later on, too, like in the police station. There like, are so many. And I wanted to ask you this. Can you at all grasp at what the fuck Candyman is trying to do in this movie? What are his fucking motives? Because he literally know. counter, he, he literally fucking completely overlaps his own, like, set goals, morals, anything he just counters himself with. Like, dude, I, I, it's sure. so hard to keep up. That's why they tried to try it to the first, but they didn't really. And you know what's really corny, too, about the... uh the fake jump scare, and then they actually kill him when he goes when he's at the bar and by himself mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Dude, they do this more than once. They do fake out black guy in the background. It's Candyman in the mirror. That yeah, that is so I was corny, so, dude. Like oh, it's black I guy. Saw it's, that, it's, and I'm Candyman. Like, There's no fucking way you're doing this right now. Like, you are you for real? Ugh. Really? Like you're actually gonna do a dude taking a shit, getting up from taking a shit? That fake out of oh, it's Candyman. That that was. To be fair, I mean, wouldn't you agree it's a little bit offensive? Yeah, no, <laughs> that that's what I have. Yeah, like, dude, what? I'm sure I'll get to it in my notes at the, the other time they do it, but that's the first time for sure. Yeah. Like, oh, oh black yeah, guy in the background. Oh, can't even. Dude, and there are so many, like, unscary jump scares in this that it, the only way I could tell that, honest to God, it was a fucking jump scare it was that fucking bird. That fucking bird <laughs> squawking is the only time I could really? tell. That foreshadowed it. <laughs> That's funny. Dude. Well, here's the thing. Why do the fake out, oh, black guy in the background at that scene when literally within 60 seconds, Tony... Mind you, he was also really attractive, by the way. I will I will put that on the table. He's a very attractive young man, and he's washing his hands, and then the fucking professor's just staring at him. Yeah. Like, fucking, total fucking creep show, just looking at him. He's like, oh, 
my book. Like, you read what? It. Like, the dude's like, okay, like, what the fuck are you on about, dude? Right. I'm just, I literally just took a shit. <laughs> why are you talking to me? Yeah, I did not get it. And then why, the second he leaves, Candyman doesn't want to show up when there's an audience. He waits till completely alone and then does it. Why? Yeah, so. And why just, the fake out if he's a, just showing up anyway? Yeah, let, let's step a couple, like, literally, I shoot you not, a couple of minutes back. Yeah. For, right after the presentation, you know, the professor's leaving, and. Dude, I will tell you, for as fucking goofy as he was, Ethan Ethan is probably the most memorable character for me in this movie. Her brother and his so, brother. Yeah, the brother. Solely because this fucking dude is I I dude, I was laugh I was like actually at tears with myself with uh, some of his lines iconic did you see what purcell pointed at him and said you're as crazy as your father was that was and and he's giving them this like thousand mile stare like dude the lights are on but no one's fucking home like his eyes are glazed over as he's just staring at the professor (laughs) that line was delivered rough too though he's like you killed my father you you told him he's not real and he died that's literally his lines (laughs) and like dude in my notes i i I put ethan is spitting also, hopefully this movie just doesn't have any more stupid-ass jump scares, please. <laughs> a minute later, dude, holy fuck, dude. Ethan got his head smashed through a fucking window. <laughs> Wait, which one is Rest in peace. Huh? Wait, Ethan doesn't die then. No, he gets his head smashed. So, so when uh when Parcel goes to the bar, he asks for a drink. He, he oh. takes a sip. He's minding his own fucking business. And then fucking Ethan comes again. And he's like, you fucking murderer. And like grabs him and throws him into a fucking dude. And apparently that cuts Parcel's fucking forehead. And it, and it's like, okay. But then the fucking bartender's like, hey, get off of him, you son of a bitch. And fucking grabs him by the back of his collar, drags him smashing bottles and fucking glass. <laughs> like he fucking drags him to a window. <laughs> And just fucking bashes his head in. Wait, and like, what? Get the I missed bitch out of here. Oh my gosh, how did I miss you, that? I didn't know he bashed dude, his head in. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. For <laughs> for as much as I fucking absolutely hate this movie, it has a fucking crazy opening. It shit literally. Well, I think that's the loudest fucking scene in the movie. Why like, do that's out, the loudest though. this movie will ever get? So why does he like confront him in the streets and then? <laughs> Like opposite of Candyman, he wants a crowd. He waits till he's in a bar and just goes wild. <laughs> like, why the fake out? I don't get it. And, like, I, and here's the thing when too: about the second there? Movie, immediately right off the gate, this is what pissed me off. Because notice how in the first one, because he was so intertwined with Chicago and the fact that Helen was a genuine threat to his entire existence. True. This movie basically, without even fucking saying anything, shits on that premise. And completely yeah. has a plot hole of why does Candyman give a fuck about Chicago? Right. And if we're if we were to take it from this movie's perspective, right, the second one, we do a retcon. Why does he give a fuck about Chicago if literally his origin and the tale of him is from New Orleans? Because in the second one, it says he dies in New Orleans, not in Chicago. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, like. <laughs> Why would you, not only are you like shitting on the franchise, you're literally shitting on the first and best movie in this series. I don't know. See, it's just, that's what I'm saying. That, just that premise alone throws yeah. it all off. Like, cause that, yeah, I'm trying to say. The whole point was how much he was tied to Chicago because of his death and everything. Yeah. 
And but, like, so why does he come back to Chicago New Orleans? Knew him too. Like he he was a name. He was a household name. And like everyone feared him. Apparently, he is in New Orleans too because we start seeing signs with the hook and the X through it and stuff. Like yeah, we see the graffiti. And, like, further in the plot, we learn that Annie's father already knows about Candyman, yet. The movie was trying to say that he was only discovered because of Parcel giving... Because after the events of the first one, then apparently the whereabouts of Candyman resurges in New Orleans. Did they explicitly say that, though? Or is that just what they're implying? Yeah, because Parcel is giving uh, a lecture of Candyman, popularizing him in New Orleans, yet literally in Annie's flashbacks or her backstory of her father, the whole, weirdly enough, the whole motivation for her and Ethan her their dad already knows about Candyman not only that but Candyman killed their dad <laughs> yeah like I mean well so like you know, he bounces around like he was there yeah, like, like 10 he, years ago oh you're right though the opening was confusing because they don't say like 10 years ago or anything that oh part confused me I'm like oh dude, wait and I didn't realize till they go to the new house was that supposed to be confusing or mysterious yeah, okay, I got I'm I'm gonna wait until we get a little bit further to talk about it, but yeah. dude, I shit you not, that fucking family house, I have so many questions about. <laughs> so fucking many. The one with the slave quarters. It is so weird and inconsistent and just not even fucking explained. Because I'll, but I'll get just into like that later, it doesn't but. show that it's a flashback, from my memory at least. It doesn't show that it's a flashback or like even show like a little bit of a different like um filter on it so you'd be like oh this is yeah. back in time you just have a cutscene of like her and her mom talking and then you don't find out till she goes to the actual house itself and she's like referencing it like oh you know last time I was here 10 years ago and stuff I'm like oh wait so that other scene was from before did you have that f- like dude thought? I I'll be real and I think let me let me look it up in my notes but I think it was it took me 30 minutes about, I'm pretty sure, no, 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 I take that back, actually. It was about 21 minutes until I fucking found out that this took place in New Orleans. Really? Because it doesn't say any, because I, I went into this blind. But you have the you know, announcer so I had no guy. synopsis, no trailer, no anything. Like, all I knew was the poster cover of this movie. Right. And so, like, location-wise, I had no idea. It was only until, uh, what was his name? Like, I think Big Fish... Oh yeah, Kingfish, Radiohead guy. Yeah, which was corny too. I, I don't hate it. I just hate the when he takes I, on the narrative role. I think personally, it would have worked if it was just way more clever with its writing. Because I felt like that was like strangely enough, I thought that was a cool idea conceptually again. But yeah, they just they just throw in so many. You know, just how about when writing. Kingfish when there's like twenty. Two twenty-three minutes left in the movie goes. All right, it's twenty-five minutes till Judgment Day, and I'm like, yeah. wait. And I stop, pause it. I'm like, there's like twenty-three minutes left. So like, he's, he's narrating it to the point where he's telling me how many move, minutes are left in the he's movie. Almost, he's nearly breaking the fourth wall. He's literally rubbing his dick on that fourth wall just yeah. about to fucking break it. If it was more clever and like there was more meaning or like rewatchability, try to figure out what he's saying, or more mysterious, like oh, Candyman's prophetic lines of the first one. But this was just like. He was like a narrator role, filling in a bunch of gaps. Mm-hmm. I just, I and wasn't a fan. I, I get the idea; it was interesting, yeah. but not. Oh the yeah, no. I mean, I'll be real. I don't like it, but the concept of a Radiohead in New Orleans, in that city, 
it was like, all right, that's a new way to have like a narrative vessel. But then, of course, you know, the writing in this is just so fucking weak and so confusing and plot contriving. It's like, dude, you're basically just summarizing what I barely comprehended. It just throws me off, too, because I think it's I want to say it's Hatchet 2 that takes place in New Orleans. I think they maybe all take place in New Orleans, but and it has the radio throughout the whole movie, the same like Louisiana dude on the radio and also Tony Todd is in it, too. So it, like I get the oh, two mixed shit. up because of that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'd love to do Hatchet at some point, though. That's a great trilogy. I don't think I... I'll be real. I don't think I've actually ever watched Hatchet. That's a so great one. That'll be that'll be another blind movie for me, so that's oh, actually pretty good. That's a great one. And you had actually even mentioned to me today, not when we are recording, but like the religious themes, too. Yeah, like... And, it, and it's so weird, because I don't think the first one really pondered on it too much. Because no, the, where, where the religion themes, where the religious themes came from, was that Candyman as the person, the victim, was he was uh, cri- not Christianized, but he he was basically a symbol. He was a symbol of Christ. You know, he was punished for his sins. Oh, uh, okay. And so people idolized him. So that's where I like that's where the religious themes came in the first one, and you know that makes sense. But he wasn't idolized. The, Wait, you're saying in the first one there was those themes? Yeah, well, yeah, it, or the general because, story, uh, the way how he was portrayed—that's more of kind of like what's it called, um, like theorizing. Okay, how the yeah. people cre- like created this, you know, that's this interesting. mythos like of that. him. That that's the that's where like people were saying, and that's where the religious themes come into play. Where it's just like, yeah, no, he was like not Christianized, but I wanted to say like, yeah, he's like a figurehead, Christ, like a. F- there, there was a word that I read up while researching it because I was confused about why the second one even fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used a word that was pretty was like, descriptive of what it, they did to him, basically making him into this, you know, this urban legend. Right, so immortalized. That's him. where the religious themes were in the first one, but then in the second one, they just fucking throw like random, like literally just random Bible quotes in God, and it's like, okay, yeah, like what? And you, you have the pastor. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, you have a pastor, but he doesn't really talk about God. He he's literally like the only thing he says about God is like, well, if he's real, then God can only save us now. Yeah, and the ending, the very very end, I can save if we want, but it does like it makes it really religious in a weird way. But there was also yeah. that shot too. I thought it was a cool shot initially when uh, Annie had just got out of the police station, and there's like a guy in a skull mask looks at her when he's crossing, and it has a sign that says he knows. And yeah. but then it's and they like make eye contact. It's an interesting shot. But then immediately after, then Jesus walks by with the cross and then looks at her too. And I'm like, yeah, what? that scene, that that whole scene really like fucking annoyed me because with like everything we've seen of Mardi Gras, like the whole festival and the carnival. I should say carnival really because that's again like the whole point of the title of the movie. The whole carnival of Mardi Gras, it, it, like. Thematically, it's like all over the place, but then you got just these random ass fucking like cultist Christian people showing up like towards the end. And I don't know if they've ever been to Mardi Gras, but you don't see those type of people. (laughs) It's more like the the last montage where everyone's partying. That's what it is. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Not hordes of Christians walking around with a skull mask that also says like, God knows. Yeah, and a fucking crucifix and shit. I, I, dude, I don't know, but I want to kind of go back a little bit because you know, after after the whole opening scene with uh, Purcell's death, 
I will ask you, how, how do you feel about Candyman's design in this, actually? The first time we see him, like in his new coat? Uh, as a, but I guess a little fashion forward, but I liked it. I was yeah. I, I, I'm gonna be real. I I thought he was fucking cool. He was dripping out. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, it's Tony Todd in the suit, so like already I fucking love it. But like he looked pretty fucking cool with like the black cloak, like the black coat and yeah, everything. Yeah, I did like that. I I thought he looked pretty fucking cool. I I was like, all right, like that's what got me invested in the movie. He's like new city, like, new drip. Yeah, exactly. New city, new drip. <laughs> uh oh, and really quickly too. Uh, why? <sighs> Why does Ethan say, from groin to gullet, Parcel? Right before he goes to the uh, bar. So like he threatens him. He either has read the book, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I would do because one. There, like, you know, and I'm, I'm nitpicking, but there's, there is no fucking way or reason why Ethan would realistically just have that quote in the back of his mind not referencing what Candyman oh for sure you know that's poetically what says in the first film yeah like, like he would not fucking know that other than just the fact to cash grab at the quotes from the first movie that's what I felt like that whole yeah, scene yeah cause there's the I'll save this part but yeah um the book maybe Phil Purcell references it, but obviously it's like, how would he know unless that's just part of the mythology of like... Maybe he made it up. No, because well, somehow Purcell knows that groin to gullet is part of the mythology because he's done all this research and put it in the book and Ethan has read the book. Yeah. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't even know. Do you think Ethan would even waste his time reading the book since he hates him so much, the person? Yeah, he would probably say he didn't, but come on, he read the book. Yeah, probably, probably didn't. He's like, yeah, I fucking, I read all of it. And he just read a fucking synopsis. You know he read that book. Yeah, so can I just get straight away to, you know, the opening sequence with the school when we first see Annie? Oh, the white teacher savior complex with yeah. the school of inner city youth? You know. She's like, uh. Yeah, it's. Literally like that. But, like you know, all those movies in the 90s. <laughs> I, yeah. Thank God we have this white teacher to come and take care of these troubled youths. Oh, thank God, dude. I, I really hope you're very important to the plot and that you are basically, you know, protected by plot armor. Yeah, and how that one, when their kids are fighting and the one teacher can't separate them, but she comes in, she's like, Matthew. Stop and, it. Like, this, what is going on around here? Of course they I will stop. Get to that in a fucking hot second because... I got a lot of shit to say. So just getting, dude, just getting straight into it. Mm -hmm. When, uh, you know, th this whole classroom scene, you get to meet Annie, you meet the character, and you're like, all right, cool. This is our protagonist, I assume. You know, it's a, it's another white chick. All right, let's go. Uh, you you see this kid, Matthew, and and I honestly, I really, again, it's like I really loved the concept of Matthew, you know, sketching and drawing the face of Candyman, and like, how in a weird way, he was basically this, like, he was a narrative vessel of his story, and it was like, okay, like, this is kind of cool, like, I, I, you know, taking this direction for, like, paintings and art, you know, uh, translating from, like, history to, like, bringing it back up into urban legend, I was like, alright, dude, this is kind of clever. I'm like, all right, let's see how far this goes. It's but not course, used at all. It's farewell to the flesh. It shows up a couple of times, and that's it. Yeah, it has no significance to anything, actually. 
Yeah, no, in the grand scheme of things, when like you see these pictures, because here's the thing. First of all, why why the fuck is Matthew having these images in his head drawing these pictures of Candyman? Because he explicitly says when they regroup inside the old house towards the end, he's like, he's in my dreams, Annie. I can't escape him. I don't think it ever says in the movie that his mom died to Candyman. No, why? Is that... What do you mean? Is that implied or something? Well, why is Candyman haunting him? Oh. Because it couldn't it couldn't have been when Annie said his name five times because this is another fucking thing about this movie, dude. Granted, the rules in the first one were a little bit shifted because Helen was like this vessel of Candyman and like they were intertwined, like connected. So I could see the extension of him killing people that didn't even fucking say his name at all. Uh, but in this movie... and because it becomes way more of a fucking slasher and shit. Definitely. He literally fucking kills almost everybody for no reason. Literally for no fucking reason. It's the screen so, rule, so the sequel. You gotta have more kills, more cars. Yeah, like they're literally bending it's so fucking Hollywood because you can so you can tell from a mile away that okay, you're bending the rules just so you can get more kills on your fucking belt. And it's like, no, dude, don't fucking do that. There's a reason why the first movie didn't fucking do that. Yeah. Like, you you add in jump scares, and you're like, all right, bro, like, you know, cool off your dick. All right, chill. You're already getting pretty tropey. And I only counted one in the first one. That was like an actual jump scare. Yeah, there was was two jump scares in the first one, two. But only one of them was like a, you know, a clever jump scare. The other one was just a fucking pit bull. So. Oh, I don't count that, though. You don't count that? I can't, just because like it's it's shocking. It meant to scare people. Pitbull. But like what pitbull? The when the pitbull like uh jumps out at Helen and Bernadette oh. when they're walking through the apartment. Yeah, like that whole like little tiny like okay, two second yeah. scene where he, you know claws at the window. That was like a little bit of a jump scare. But this fucking movie just bends the rules so much to the original that my proportion of disbelief is blown out of the fucking water in the first fifteen minutes of this fucking <laughs> movie going onward. Which part? I don't. Or just the yeah, whole I opening sequence. Get. I don't. Oh, sorry, Jordan. I don't get the connection though between Matthew and Candyman. Like, why? If I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, I would say it's because, like Helen, he's like obsessed with this story and he keeps hearing about it. And since he's a kid, it really scares him. So he's just like obsessed with it. That's the only thing. That's why. See, and I was thinking that, but then you know, I kind of want to be a fucking asshole to this movie. I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna fucking write their story for well, them. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. That's the thing. You yeah. have to. But they they do say though when uh, Annie goes to Matthew's father, the pastor, he says that he tried keeping Matthew away from the stories because he's he and the pastor talks about how like oh like you know given enough time and like influence you know people will make themselves these fake gods and manifest you know like fairy t- like basically he's talking about how like yeah like they're just promoting the story the fake quote-unquote fake legend of Candyman, and so that's what i can assume them trying to tie in matthew's connection to Candyman. what matthew does nothing for this story though he doesn't. He just and fills he, time he would have been such a good fucking vessel too like uh, uh, yeah. narratively speaking yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't like how they have to, like, the corny part was, too, if they really wanted to switch it up, they didn't have to switch locations. They could have switched up a story where it doesn't have to be just another white girl damsel in distress where you kill her whole family thing. Like, 
that's lame. And honestly, something there was something haunting about um, Helen and using Virginia Madsen. I think the casting was off and more of a slasher movie with this, with how they chose the new, they chose Annie. And I think she was just too like cute for it. If that makes sense. Like almost like just like a final girl kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and here's the thing. I'll, I'll go in again to what I actually kind of liked about this movie. And, and I don't know how to feel about it because I know eventually they would be pushed to this point to where they need to explore the child of Candyman and his actual bloodline. And so, do you want to? Do you want me to go with this, or you want me to wait a little bit till we get further in? Oh no, go ahead. Talking about what are you talking about? Yeah, so I want to talk about how, and and this takes literally about almost an hour, I think. <laughs> uh, let me check my notes really quickly. I'm pretty sure it's like, yeah, okay, an hour and ten minutes. I understand why Candyman is so obsessed with Annie because originally you'd think, oh yeah, oh. He's just doing the same, like, she's just literally repeating Helen's whole, oh, I don't believe in you. And he's like, oh, really, bitch? I'm going to make you my new vessel to spread my name. But she's not going out of her way to seek him. Exactly. She she is not going out of her way to, like, find, she doesn't give a fuck about him at all. He's, Candyman is already well known in New Orleans. His legacy is literally already imprinted in the city. There is no reason for Candyman to freak out about anything. So then when I'm watching this movie and it was at 44 minutes and 20 seconds and I I wrote, why the fuck is Candyman so obsessed with Annie trying to recruit her, trying to make her join him for no good reason other than the fact that she's just the main character of the story. But about 30 minutes later after I took that note, they explain the connection between Annie and Candyman, which then it it, it starts to make a whole lot of more sense. And I highlighted this in green because originally Mm. it was a complaint because I just, I had no idea. They fitted around it though, just so they could use it. Like they had the, yeah, like they had the outline, like we're going to have the cute white girl and we're going to kill her family. Okay. Let's work around this. Exactly. Yeah, dude. That and see now you're making it turn into a fucking complaint because now I fully understand why the fuck she's even connected to Candyman. Just to excuse the fact that oh we're just gonna kill you know like a white girl family you know. Oh, and let's do it in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're gonna go to New Orleans. Okay. And like, oh, this is such a mess. This I know. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's the baby too. So it's like, an understatement to say this is a fucking mess. The baby <laughs> they throw dude, in different things that are like I guess you pick which reason why he's after but none of them okay. are fully sought out. And this is what I wanted to go into because I highlighted this as green and then mid type I fucking switched it right back to red because I'm like I understand why he's obsessed with Annie. It's because he's a part of her bloodline. He's trying to continue Okay, his but own why bloodline. do they go with the romantic kind of vibe of the first one exactly, if it's in his own they're family. They're literally trying to fucking take off from the original. And then this is what I thought. Why? Okay, and I'm going to get loud for this. Actually, no, fuck, <laughs> I'm not. Why the fuck would you focus on Annie when literally her mom, her mom is the direct daughter of your daughter because her mom is trying to push away the image of Candyman. She's literally trying to make sure he doesn't exist in her life. Oh, yeah. To Annie's life. So... <laughs> Why the fuck are you not focusing on the mother at that point in time when she is the one trying to destroy your legend? 
Oh, yeah. yeah he completely... <laughs> generational fucking skip. Dude, excuse me. What the fuck is the whole point of Annie? Why, dude? Well, because she's like, a cute white girl. Why? Bro, cute white girl, though. Yeah, oh, sure, yeah, no, she's... The, yeah, I mean, fuck, all right. You got, got him. <laughs> you got a point. Got him. That's ruined I'm, I'm your whole... my voice for that. But that... When I found out that origin... Dude, I swear to God, this movie, honest to God, for me at least, when watching it, it took one step forward in the right direction, and then I was like, okay, what the fuck? And I take two steps back. I know. Because you, you explain one thing, and then leave a complete fucking plot contrivance for the next. And then when you're trying to explain that, you just make a fucking more. And it's just... It, it's an uphill fucking battle. You just can't win. Dude. I know. I would be on board, and then be like, mm, I'm out. There's like two two things for every one thing I did like, where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh. And then it just went sour, because it's like, yeah, if we're talking about the romantic angle just vibe of it they never said like hey i want to be with you forever even though that is what he's trying to do but like also he wants they're start throwing around i don't know when's the first time they mentioned it but that she has a baby she's pregnant and that's like at the end because of paul when they had sex right before but then it's like, showed up okay so i thought he got her pregnant for a second but i feel like they're trying to tie it to the first with that like oh yeah see he just wants the baby like the first one but the first one was not i don't think he ever actually wanted the baby he used that as bait he to wanted ke- helen yes so yeah. it's like i feel like it almost was like oh this doesn't work just going after annie because um we have to have this like baby aspect which also doesn't work it doesn't make sense that's why he's chasing it's so tropey. Down. It's and you see that in a couple other like horror movies where it's like or, or just movies in general when there's like this omnipotent like evil force. It's like we need this child. This child cannot like we need to take it. But they never specifically say one thing is the reason why, do they? They just throw a bunch of different lines out there and like, oh, you can pick one of these or all these to be the <laughs> for, for for what for Candyman's motive? Yeah. To have the, do they ever like, specifically the say this is the one thing? So, and because why would he need Annie in Immortalized if he already has Helen? Is he trying to set up like franchises around different cities that he has either lived in or visited before? Like, I need a cute white girl for every area, you know? That's the thing. This throws off all everything. And why you actually have to bring in Helen at some point to describe why. You cannot. What you didn't work with that? You just fucking have her on a slideshow and be like, there's Helen. We couldn't get the actress. Sorry. <laughs> fuck, dude, fuck off. Because he, he accomplished his goal in the first one. So, like, why yeah. is he doing this again? He just needs, he's like, you know, he needs a girl for every city when he's visiting, you know? Is it that the reason? It, dude, and, and here's the thing, is that I feel like the reason why this movie just falls apart story-wise is because the first movie, and to be real, it does not need a sequel. Would I like a sequel? I really like the first movie, but you got to be fucking careful because the, the first is so well done. It it has closure. It's a little bit of like, oh, that cliffhanger, but not even really a cliffhanger. It's just like a, you know, po- I don't know how to word it other than just after the story, you see events afterwards. This was like such. Uh, this is almost insulting the intelligence, especially if you knew. I don't oh, know because I can't be absolutely. transported back to ninety two or ninety three. Like, I don't know. I don't think it was a big movie, but there was some kind of cult following. Probably after three years, they realized this, and like they threw something together that was insulting in the sense that, like, hey, you like that? We're just going to give you another like thing like that. 
or just take it to a different city, different person, like, and it's you still Candyman. I, I can guarantee you it was probably meant for making it more mainstreamed, mainstreaming Candyman. So that's why it was dumb. No, they down tried to like jump to Jason eight, itself. basically, like, hey, you've already seen the stories. Like, you know, most horror movies, if they're really good in the first one, they try to build upon that first one. They're trying to build a legacy, and then when they run out of ideas, they run out of directors and stuff. Then it just gets passed down the line, and then it's just like, oh, here's Michael Myers here. Here's Michael Myers doing this. It's just like the same. Like they jumped straight to Candyman like six with this one, you know? Yeah, no, dude, it does not feel like a proper fucking sequel no. at all. Now I will say, if we're talking about things we did like. I did like them expanding specifically, not on the bloodline stuff that I don't really care about that, but the actual scene itself of his origin story. When they expand on that, I think all of that was really good. You know, with the actual villagers. I I liked it up up until the climax of the actual backstory. Because and here, and here's the thing too. And, and I thought about this, and I think this is just more of a general analysis of. I do appreciate and I liked what we saw of his backstory. You know, quite literally seeing it happen. But yeah, because it wasn't too much. The, it was more the acting out of it, at least. Yeah, no, it wasn't overly acted out. But what I didn't like is that now that we've fully seen what happens, it kind of just. It it begs the question, okay, so Candyman is obviously would you consider him a vengeful spirit? Uh hmm. Yeah. Because but after angry, seeing more his, just like, angry backstory. Maybe not even vengeful, just angry in general. Like Yeah. Well more more vengeful towards humanity, I would assume. Yeah, humanity. B- because of how he was treated. And to me, seeing that made me question his like moral standards and like it made me question more of him as a character and that's not a good question to ask in this second movie. You know what I mean? I mean because he's so the, all over the place. The uh, just fearsome presence of him. Because that was one of my big complaints is that um, how nor... Like he's like a regular, almost dramatic character at the end when he's explaining things to Andy. Like Andy, like a regular person, not like... Uh, you know, being this like speaking in the cryptic codes, omnipotent, yeah, yeah, like, like crazy. He's force. just talking to her like, "This is why I did this." And what, I, what the only what I'm saying about the backstory part was not that uh, just the elaboration of how we get to see. It's it just a little out. bit more of how it played out. That's all mm-hmm. I like. I can get what yeah, you're saying like, though. I, when he's I like actually dying. Yeah, I because I know like again, I liked that part. I, I liked exploring his backstory, but. I think it was just because of this second movie, um, diving into it, that when when Caroline um, grabbed the mirror and ran away, and his spirit was like encapsulated in that mirror, bro, like, the mirror. You get like what was that? Did not like, like that. The that's mirror. that's when I started he falling straight off up. The said story. this is the source of my power. Oh my the god! Mirror. Okay, well, Come I kind of want to wait a little bit when we start talking about the end because I have literally a fucking page worth of the okay. End. Well, holy shit! Just on that that villager scene, it, it was like a really dark scene. How they're always telling Candy Man because they put the yeah, honey on that him. That was fucked up. That was good. And there's the sawing of his hand was actually pretty gruesome. That was like the best probably practical effect. Of oh, like, yeah. It looked clean. It looked good because we we get some not so great cut off hand at the end. Um, oh. we get to see Tony Todd's great acting too in this scene. 
Yeah, uh, no, it's like dude, sad and the heartbreaking. The best parts of this movie was literally Tony Todd scenes. And so uh, <laughs> also with that mirror. Okay, so we'll get yeah. back to why that mirror is silly. That's the source of his power. What I did like is that they held the mirror up in front of his face. Like that was super like twisted and sad how they held a mirror. Oh, yeah. No, because that, that is so good. That is yeah, so smart. Yeah, because that to ties to the memes. mirror. Like yeah. that is perfect, actually. I really like that. That all makes sense. I feel like in if they also if they chanted his name five times and that was it as he died, oh, then it was like that. That like that's good. Like that is so smart. Like that is really cool. And that's what I thought they were going with. Was it more and than five? To be fair, they might have unintentionally done that. You know what I mean? Like do the whole chanting five times, then he dies. But they burn his body afterwards too. But they don't show that in the backstory. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because in the first one they say that he was. But the bees uh, killed him. He was severed his right arm. Uh, he was then covered in honeycombs. And and another weird thing, and I think it was just the actor's part on that whole scene in the past, but they looked like scared and like re- like remorsed over him getting stung like nearly to death by bees. They they had like a face of horror, but like a face of pity. They were like, oh no, like oh my gosh, no, really, like, or at least the woman, yeah, the woman looked sad about it, and I'm like, dude, you're the one really that yells sweets to the sweet like animal. Like, I even like that though, the sweets to the sweet. It, that makes sense. Yeah, because it, it's an like, old timey phrase. You're like, what? Well, who would say that? Why is that tied in? Because they don't give you anything in the first one. Why sweets to the sweet? This actually yeah. makes it something, and you're like, oh okay, because mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a, it's really fucked up literal joke. Yeah, it's you know, terrible. they're rubbing honey over him and shit like that, and they call him Candyman. See, and that was kind of cool how like a kid called him Candyman too. It wasn't like a grown like, oh, you're the Candyman, you're like you fool, right? It was like a child eating honey. He's like, oh look, he's like a Candyman. Like, I liked that a lot, and like, it's good that you kind of reminded me of that because to be fair, it was more towards the end of the backstory, uh, showcase like what they showed off of the backstory that I wasn't a fan of, but then. All the elements that they like incorporated into it, like explaining the mirror stuff, the whole name, you know, the brutality of it, like it genuinely, it really made me sympathize with oh, yeah, way more. Yeah, I, I genuinely felt bad for him. The like, thing is, seriously, they really try to cash in on the sympathy, like especially with the ending and having him talk oh, like a dramatic person. Definitely. But dang, yeah, that um, kind of flips the whole thing on it because. You know, the first one was a delicate balancing act where, like, they don't specifically give you Candyman acting out why you should feel sad for him, but they give you a little bit of backstory, like, oh, okay, that's at least why you can see his motivations. Uh, Whereas this one, they straight up. That's, yeah. Two, why, when we see that backstory, that's what that made me question. Like, so, like, I, because it made me curious. It genuinely made me a little bit more, like, invested in Candyman as a character, how. I'm super sympathetic for him. So now I'm like really curious about like his like more like his morals and like his motives because they humanized you know, him being more. this revenant, uh, like this you know manifested like self again. Well, that's fine almost though to humanize him when he was human, but I don't like the yeah. so humanizing aspect of him when he's not human anymore at oh, the end. Yeah, you no, know? because they show his backstory after he does all this fucking random slaughterhouse bullshit. <laughs> And it's it's such a bad like, dude. Oh my god! Again, like like this movie does it. It does one good thing and then does two fucking bad things, and it just fucking entangles itself up in like all this fucking bullshit. Like, well, I don't. Well, let me see if I got anything in my notes because I know you want to get to the ending. 
Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say I kind of want to go back. Actually, yeah, yeah. Because there is a yeah. Okay, so I want to kind of go back into the meat of the plot. So right after that opening scene, uh. Annie, you know, we introduce, we get introduced to Annie. She's at school. She's the white hero. Oh, yeah. Um, we have that fucking, pardon my French, that fucking retarded jump scare scene with the mirror. Oh, again, right? Yeah, again. It's just and a it, random black dude in the background. Yeah, ra- yeah, again, a random was fucking the other black one. dude. The, like the principal of that school, I assume, or like a really like a guidance counselor or some shit. Of course, is like, oh, like, <laughs> dude. It, it, there is no fucking way, and like I swear to God, if you seriously get fucking scared of that jump scare because you think for even a fucking nanosecond that that's Candyman, no. you're just plainly racist. I'm fucking sorry. Yeah, like, you're subconsciously racist if you actually think that's Candyman. I genuinely thought it was just a jump scare because it's like oh loud noise. Did they think but you fucking opened my eyes, Jordan? Yeah, no, it's just a fucking black dude. Yeah, there and like, did they think the success of the first one was because he was black and that's what everyone was afraid of? Like, they oh missed the mark. God. Like, oh, yeah, so we'll just pop up some black guys in the scene because, like, that's what everybody's scared of, but it's not going to be the black guy. <laughs> It'll be a black guy. And they didn't even fucking try to make the, the fucking person in the mirror or, like, the fake-out person <laughs> wear anything remotely similar to Candyman. He's like, holding not even something, a like, hook-related or like, something, like a coat yeah. hanger. Like, oh, I got your yeah, clothes. Like he's wearing a coat hanger. Like, that would be kind of, like, you know, fucking silly, goofy, but, like, a yeah. little bit smart. Tongue-in-cheek. You know, like. You know, just give me something besides like, oh, black guy. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Jesus, fuck. Oh, my God. Dude, it's Pikmin. Holy shit. <laughs> like fucking like, two shades oh, darker than mine. What the fuck? I'm Candyman? So Hello? Glad, well, I'm like, so glad there's only two of those, but two was way too many. Yeah, no, dude. Brutal. I'd even argue one was way too much way because that, that's just borderline offensive. Yeah. It, oh, for sure. But yeah. if they threw a little bit of humor, like you said. That would have worked. Like, I could 100% understand the bathroom scene in the opening <laughs> that, you know, if, if randomly he just has a fucking coat hanger and he hangs it on top of the, like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. stall, and then he picks himself up, and it's like, you only see the back of his head. If it was a silhouette, then that's not stupid as fuck. That's like, oh, like, you know, kind of a cutesy little fucking, you know, oh, yeah. fake out. But no, you just see this fucking, you know, random normal ass dude's back of his head. He just gets up from the stall, and the music stops like, Ooh. And then, you know, honestly, I was just like, if they just like did it that time, it would probably be funny bullets. because like, oh, no, it's just a guy pooping. Like, that's funny, you know, but I, then when you do it twice, it's like, oh, missed the mark on that. Well, here's the thing, too. And I, I don't mean to be a little bit of a nitpicker, but boy, we don't hear that fucking toilet flush. So that guy's just shitting in toilets and not flushing. I, I find that that's horrific. The, I that find is, that fucking. That's the true horror. That that is the true horror behind this movie. Many subtle scenes. Maybe he wasn't. Well. He just goes in there and like pops up to try to scare white people that are in the bar. Had a few yeah, drinks. He's like, oh shit! There's a white professor. I right, hold up, guys. I'm gonna take a shit. He's like, no, doesn't even though. He's just pretending to be candy. Oh yeah, man. no. He just tells him that so he doesn't look weird. Just sitting <laughs> yeah, in the fucking yeah, bathroom yeah, yeah. stall for for that one fucking dude to that drop a candy pop man up. book. He's like, all right, it's my time to shine. Oh, we got a live one, <laughs> dude. So. Getting getting back a little bit on track, even though it's so fucking hard for me because I just want to keep talking about this fucking movie in, in the worst way possible. After Annie's introduction, we see that she's a school teacher, and I'm guessing that she's an art teacher in this school. I'm not so sure what the fucking school is. At first, I thought it was like a like an aftercare orphanage center or something because it, <laughs> it was like a small school and like... 
I, I just I, I didn't know if that was like how did you have an aftercare weird. orphanage if you're an orphanage you're full time <laughs> no like an aftercare or orphanage oh, okay. but I kind of blended those two I'm like hey, it could be an aftercare orphanage it's like oh you don't got <laughs> like, parents we'll come in that's you know, the aftercare orphanage after the regular orphanage exactly because sometimes orphanages are just like dude you're just too much yeah. get the fuck out of here go to after work that's your free time yeah <laughs> your recreation it's recess dude yeah so we get that and then uh you know the whole fucking racist jump scare fake out <laughs> uh after that ensues he's like annie it's your brother and first time watching and i'll be real it's probably just my dumbass. i had to literally see ethan come into frame before I fucking put two and two together that, oh, Ethan is Annie's brother. Because, yeah. like, to be fair, again, like, not going into this blind just as, like, all I know is it's the sequel to Candyman. I, would, I never would have fucking guessed because there's no context to Ethan being anywhere near related to Annie. Like, there's literally nothing until you see them in a room together and he's like, Oh my guardian angel. Like literally delivers the line like that. Oh. So, you know, the 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 principal or the guidance counselor, I think it's the principal. The principal comes in, he's like, Annie, it's your brother. And he's like she's like, Oh, I gotta get a masks for Mardi Gras or something like that. And he's like, uh fucking Mardi Gras, cool. Mm-hmm. So she drives home, she goes to like her mom's apartment, and that's when we, we meet the mother first, actually. We don't even meet Ethan until after they meet up together to go see her brother. So, you know, we, we see the mom, and she, again, a very, very talented actress, actually, because I, I don't know why. I think it was just the character alone that bothered me, that I didn't really get yeah. to say much about it. But she was good. She was a good character. Like, or She played the role really well. And right. they're they're talking about how, and they just randomly throw this in. After they do a little small talk about Ethan, you know, uh, the mother starts to get ready to go to the police department. Uh, and she's taking a drink, and Annie's like, oh, didn't the doctor say you shouldn't drink? And she's like, oh, well, I'm dying of cancer anyway. Don't matter what I do. Just throw in has another no thing. no fucking relevance to yeah. plot oh, whatsoever. Hey, yep. Oh, she also has cancer. Oh, and she, yeah, she has cancer, and Annie's and pregnant. guess what? She got it when her husband died. To who? Candyman. But you oh. don't fucking know that until 40 fucking minutes into the movie, <laughs> when he's like, he, he killed him. So They're giving you all the pieces, so you know what they're trying to do yeah. with this? They're almost like, they're it's they're just obfuscating the very obvious plot by trying they're trying to do what the first one did with like mysterious and you're trying to follow along because that's the whole first one purposely confuse you though yeah they're just obfuscating what's going on it was just really annoying because they already introduced all these people and then they're just like slowly like tying it's yeah that it's all off but there's the mystery there is no mystery in this movie so they're trying to make fake um, yeah. they're making confusion as opposed to like, like huh, like exactly. trying to figure and, out and the I, mystery. And I can't tell, honestly, dude, I cannot tell if that confusion comes from the lack of proper story writing or them literally trying to just be like, uh, dude, throw in this fucking fake out, like random ass lore. Oh, it's not true. Uh, yeah, j- quickly do a, do a cut to black on Annie. Who is Ethan? We'll talk about that later. Talk about that later. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Just uh, go, see I, Annie's mom. I like. almost think it's bad. The writing of like introducing them because they give you all the people and their names, and maybe it's because I've seen this before. Yeah. Like it's not like fresh in my memory, but maybe because I've seen it before, I could tie people together easily. But it's still really clunky. But they do give you all their names. They say Toronto when they're talking about them. So. 
I don't it think is, they were trying. I don't know. Yeah, no, I will be real. Um, my first time watching this, and this is really where, like, I am... Pardon me. That is where I am personally analyzing this. My first time watching, I was paying full attention because I was note taking and everything. And even while I was fucking note taking, pausing the movie, I was lost. Only until watching it a second time was I not so fucking lost in the beginning. Like again, yeah. like the first forty minutes, it takes forty minutes for me to fucking understand what is going on because I, yeah, I couldn't tell if they were again doing those fake out fucking you know random just contrivances of just bullshit. Or it's just edited poorly, or just the writing is just not good. It, it is not concrete enough for anybody to understand their first watch. It's like, I feel like there was two directors for each half of the movie. First director's like, dude, I don't know, fuck it. Throw in Candyman, throw in a couple black guys, boom, we got a horror movie. And you're right, just so much exposition for nothing. Like, there really is not a story. Yeah. But you get, you're getting so much about this kid, Matthew, and this kid, like... uh you're getting you. that's so what much I want to say. Exposi- needless exposition. So that's exactly what the I want to say. mom has cancer now, and this and this and this is like so much. You're learning about the dad and the, the who's never even in the movie and the brother, and like none of it means anything. He was a corpse in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the character was a corpse in the movie. They literally showed his dead body, and Ethan's like, "No, right, yeah." And that's it. And, <laughs> and then flashback. You're getting over. this backstory but, on the house and the slave for it, and like none of it really, unless like. I really, it really just feels like they're trying to fill time, to be honest, because there's not. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. I don't want to say there's no story, but there's not much of one. When you compare, yeah. when you compare it to the first one, I mean, there is no story. Yeah, and Dude. there's no motivations really. Are you talking about yeah for the second one? Yeah, there's like yeah. okay, okay. I, I thought you for some reason I thought you said the first one like oh, oh. a couple, but yeah, no, the second one, literally like nothing. Like they're literally trying to make a story out of someone who is, ironically so heavily tied to Candyman, but has literally nothing to fucking do with him at the same time. It, it, it literally, you could say, like, yeah, you're my dad, but you you haven't been in my life for fucking ever. I, I don't know who you are as a person, but apparently we're going to make a story out of this, basically, is what they're saying, is how... There's no way you can be invested in anyone in this movie. Exactly. No not. way. But I will be real. And not for any good reasons. I was invested in Ethan because I just wanted to see how fucking far this character would go. So, right after we get the introduction of the mother, random exposition that has no purpose in the film, of course, they go to the police station. And for some reason, there are so many people, so many um, journalists and news article people just swarming them. And... It is the first time we also see Paul, uh, Annie's husband, as he's kind of guiding was like through this with fucking the mom. <laughs> the way he's flirting with her, I was like, "Oh, he's like, yeah." <laughs> Thank you. Thought- Thank you. I was so fu- I had, dude. Again, it literally. I shit you not. It was only until they got to their fucking house that they just flat out. It's like, oh my, oh, like husband. Like, I thought they were trying to imply that, like, oh, because they have the flashback scene um, that I don't mm-hmm. know is a flashback, so I don't. Like I'm trying to figure out, like, wait, so the dad is dead now, and we're forward. So I was thinking, like, oh, the mom has this like secret relationship the daughter doesn't know about with exactly. the cop. <laughs> but no, 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 he's just flirting with yeah, the mom. Yeah, I legit thought he was a cop, but no, he he's just a fucking chef. Oh yeah, he's, he's not a, a cop. I thought he was like, 
<laughs> at but, that moment, I thought he was a copyright. He's not, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you would, because he's wearing the full fucking jacket. He's got like a navy blue kind of fucking getup going on. Yeah. He's like guiding through. He's like, get the fuck, get out of the way. Yeah. Because apparently no fucking cops give a shit about like their witness or like the, the people that they want in the interrogation room or whatever the fuck. So, you know, it's just this it's one fucking dude. It's this first husband. One, the media hype. <laughs> Which yeah, doesn't get addressed so. at all. Holy shit, I don't know. And uh, um, Helen's it, never really a suspect, or I mean, Annie's never really a suspect. Like the first one, like there's no suspense, there's no dread. Wait, Helen? You mean in the first one? No, they're talking new, about in this Annie. One? There's no Annie. There's, she's not ever really like a suspect. It's in towards this. the end for no fucking reason. But you don't get the sense she's, she's in trouble. Sus- like suspected? Yeah, but you don't ever get the sense that oh, she's going down for this, like you do with Helen. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you're not Annie. Yeah, one hundred percent. When 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 shit goes down, and for no fucking reason at all, when even though the fucking detective girl looked at the footage and Ethan didn't fucking kill Detective Ray, the cops are all chasing for Annie because they're like, "Oh, she's the suspect. Ethan's dead. It's the killer. She's the killer," and they're chasing her in her own fucking apartment. No, because she sees what? the cop sees Annie and says, "Hey," she's like, "I believe yeah, you. No, I cool. saw the video." But it's only the detective. Every other fucking cop apparently in New Orleans is hunting down Annie. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just trying to get to her, but that because of that video footage. No, you're not ever worried for like, oh man. Like Oh yeah, no, you're no, yeah, nowhere near. There's no anxiety with Annie's character no. because you just have like it's just this plot armor. Which is the the first one. I hate to have to keep comparing it, but we have to because that's what it's it's the second movie of it, but it doesn't have the suspense. It doesn't yeah. have the dread. It's not mesmerizing. Yeah. Like you're not locked. Oh, dude, in. no fucking mercy to the second movie. Yeah, no. I mean, if you're gonna make a set like a sequel to such a good first film, you better be prepared to like. Yeah, make and it's a three years after. Follow-up. Like they had time. So, let let me get a little bit back on track too, because they go into the a police department finally. Uh, Paul and what was the mother's name again? Uh, um, hold up, I got my notes. But where are you going with this? I want to say Veronica or something, right? Octavia. Octavia, thank you, thank you. I think the actress was Veronica. Okay. I think so, at least. I, I could just be confusing myself. Okay, but what regardless, are we talking about? After, after Annie's husband, Paul, flirts with fucking Octavia, her mom, which is the weirdest fucking thing ever, because, again, you didn't even know they were in a relationship until later when they're literally in bed. We, we finally get to, in my opinion... <laughs> One one of the most fucking awful scenes in this movie, where Annie goes into I suppose the interrogation room and starts talking to Ethan, and Ethan has that iconic fucking icebreaker. Oh my guardian <laughs> angel, and hugs her, and we see as they start talking that Detective Ray is on the other side of the mirror. And already from the get-go, I knew that they were going to do something. Are you with talking that about mirror? breaking the two-way mirror? What? Are you yeah. talking about oh, breaking? Yeah. Which is I'm ridiculous. Getting to that. But I, when I saw the two-way mirror, I'm like, "Ooh, you know what? They're probably going to do something pretty fucking cool." I don't with... think two-way mirrors are breakable in a police station. Just saying, uh, oh, with a fucking ashtray that's just <laughs> there for no fucking reason. Well, granted, it's the '90s. People smoke yeah, indoors all the time. But so two-way mirrors aren't built to be breakable. It. That's the whole point. It's like a oh. Well, I, I guess you just don't... Fu- dude, you were not paying attention to the movie at all. Did you watch it, dude? Ethan has supernatural abilities. If maybe. He can fucking smash bulletproof glass like it's nothing, dude. Ridiculous. Fucking ashtray that's probably made out of plastic. So they start talking. Detective Ray is on the other side of the two-way mirror. And the other lady comes in, and she's like, Ray, 
this is like you're not supposed to do this. Why? He's a suspect, which supposedly. So here's the you're thing, and I, this what? is like the meat of like the first act. I would say he's is, not supposed to do what? Watch in on the family while they're talking. Yeah, like is that like a genuine rule? No, or is that like no. a legal thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Unless the, the lawyer the point. Was she there. was all like, "You can't be doing this, right?" And you're like, "I'm gonna this son of this sick son of a bitch is gonna fucking get it. He's not gonna slip through her fucking fingers or something like that." And it's like, okay, I don't know. I mean, you're investigating him. Why the fuck would you not, you know, do that? That's the whole point of a two-way mirror, I would fucking assume. You know, so the other person doesn't know you're listening in. But regardless, they start talking. And then Annie, and this is why I said I did not really like the actress's performance. They hug, they smile, they start talking all kind of like sibling-esque. And then Annie just zero to hundreds like, Oh, quit the fucking bullshit, Ethan. What is wrong? Like, yelling at him. And, like, she's acting, like, so fucking... And I feel like that's just a directing thing. That's not her. I, I, You know, now thinking about it, I don't think that's an inability of acting. I think that's just the script that they gave her, and she just had to fucking roll with it. Yeah, well, he was trying to sell it off as something else. Like, oh, like, why... He was asking why uh, he got in that fight with Philip Purcell at the bar, because he ends up getting killed. So she's like, from, he says something like, oh, I didn't like his something. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, this guy was sitting down in the bar yeah. and he ordered a drink. Yeah. And he started chewing on his ice. I actually don't have a like, problem with that. I mean, maybe I don't remember how she actually reacted, but. No, she she says, like, quit the fucking bullshit, Ethan. Like, right. I know you're hiding something. And, like, so this is what genuinely confused me. And I wrote about this multiple times in my notes, is that, again, when and assuming, likewise, you know, your first time watching this, pardon me, your first time watching this, all you know is that literally, pardon me again, sorry, I'm, I'm getting so fucking burpy over this, I'm so passionate, Jeez, dude. is that, where are, like, what, I feel like you're building just something, like, what are we trying yeah, to no, talk here's about? Here's the thing, here it is, I'm gonna lay it <laughs> out fucking mo- thick for you, Ethan obviously despises Purcell. He attacks him at the bar. He gets fucking thrown out of the bar. Literally glass in his fucking face. Just thrown out. He fucking... He just fucks off. Right? Yeah. Purcell dies. And then the next time you see Ethan, he is in the police station. What would you assume? The the police suspect him of killing Purcell, right? Yeah, because they also have his dad as a... Uh, you know, they have yeah, the murder vic- of his dad. As like a victim with a John Doe. Like they don't know Which who Which was apparently him. like 10 years ago or something. Okay. The the fucking lady detective says that there are at least a dozen witnesses saying that they saw him threaten Purcell. How fucking stupid are you to genuinely think that he killed Purcell when he was battered and thrown out of the fucking bar? People that were in the bar saw him go to the fucking bathroom. The dude taking a shit walks out of the bathroom that you see Purcell fucking died in. Why the fuck do they think it's Ethan? And in my mind, I'm like, you're so fucking stupid. How do you actually think that this is real? Later, we find out Ethan purposely tried taking the blame for Purcell's murder and the murder of his father and every other victim. For fucking what? (laughs) For what, That's a good question. I don't know. And no, and Annie says, and Annie says when they're interrogating. She's oh, like, is he trying to be secluded in the jail so like Candyman can't get him? Because apparently the Candyman in this movie doesn't like any crowds. You can call the cops on it, well, straight up. <laughs> when when um the mom 
is like about to die and with her last dying oh breath and she hits the fucking she hits the alarm. alarm what does the uh, the cops can now get Candyman? man was supposed to be like no a, she, i think that was just her being so she because she's dying no no like, no she, you're not i'm not giving you that she's not no straight. no i'm not giving you that not giving the, she yeah, knows what Candyman is. She's a her, literal fucking bitch because she's calling the cops basically an Annie. The whole she thing is, the yeah. The whole thing is, she knows cops. what Candyman is, but she's trying to suppress it, and she knows. So no, her calling yeah, the cops yeah, no, makes like, no sense. You're, th- that was the stupidest fucking. It's thing stupid, done. like how every like action movie or horror movie says, like, oh, with their dying breath, they did something, like they got the cops on the way. No, that doesn't no, work for Candyman. The cops don't work. That was so terrible. Well. Later, I'll get on to the ending. Candyman gets affected by shit that I think is so fucking stupid. But granted, that the mirror, first film kind of did it with the whole fire pit. So I'll excuse it in the second. But going back to the whole fucking motive of Ethan. Wh- you are okay. so, so stuck on Ethan. Well, go off. Because King. what is the point? What literally is the narrative point of having Ethan as a suspect? We know he's not guilty. He is taking on blame that is not his own. Literally, the only fucking, like, the only exposition we get of that, the whole reason why he does it is Annie fucking says, and I shit you not, you know, Ethan, when bad things happen, people sometimes take on blame for themselves. Because your father died, you're going to take account for all of Candyman's murders? What are you doing? You are doing literally nothing. You are absolutely not helping your father out. You're not trying to stop Candyman. And he's like trying to make sure that uh, Annie doesn't pursue Candyman. He's like, no, don't. Like, don't stop. Don't find out. Stop. And Because when he smashes the two-way mirror, he freaks out because she's onto him. She's like, this is about dad, isn't it? He's like, if whatever, uh, drop it. You know, being like a complete fucking idiot. Unless they're trying to say that he's trying to protect himself by being locked away. I don't think he's trying to protect himself. Something about that. He comes off as this character trying to protect his family. Dude, you are doing fucking nothing. You are literally doing nothing. Like the mom hitting the fucking life alert button on the wall was more (laughs) fucking helpful than even doing anything. I don't know. I feel like they say something yeah, about being safe in jail, though. Something is said about that. I wish I could remember. No, he, he said nothing about that. Like, And I shit you not, because I paid so attention to Ethan's lines, because his motives were so fucking just poorly written. It, like, they didn't even finish writing. They're like, Ethan goes to jail. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Improv it, dude. He, there is literally no fucking rhyme or reason because whatever you say, it is the dumbest fucking decision made in human history for why Ethan takes on any of the blame, why he's trying to make himself be the fucking murderer of Candyman. You could say, oh, he's trying to like stomp out the myth of Candyman. Yeah. That doesn't work because you literally see that Candyman is still influential even when he's in fucking jail, like when he's in, like not in prison, but in custody. Well, he doesn't know like, that up until that point, until the detective just goes in and says it five times. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, Candyman is fucking, a big that fan. That detective is both the most fucking stupid character, but terrible. also the fucking smartest at the same time. No, worse. Oh, I don't know. He's he's bad. Bad character. Well, because he, here's the thing. Like, he, he was fucking, yeah, I'll, I'll say for the most part, he was 98% stupid, 2% smart. He, the 2% comes from him killing himself. That was the smartest fucking decision he's ever fucking made in the movie. <laughs> that was not I'll a conscious right decision. Now. But, yeah, no, so, like, as you can tell, the first fucking, Did, well, like, 20 minutes of this film, 
Act one, what is it about? What what is literally going on in Act One? Nothing, literally nothing. We are getting uh, you're not exposition any argument for me for shit it. that doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we can just say that on all fronts about all the characters. There's no motivations. <laughs> yeah, not well, and like here's the thing: you get motivation at the last fucking half an hour of the movie. It's like I gotta stop Candyman. Really, bitch? You have to stop him now after an hour of just fucking useless shit. Like you can tell if you took out every single useless detail, genuinely just unimportant detail in this movie, this would literally be a fucking thirty-minute short film. And that's yeah, like, on that, the and that was side. my big thing with the first one. It was a how uh, when I say it's mesmerizing is there was no fluff, legit. There's no fluff. Like every horror movie yeah. has all this fluff, and you know because the story is usually not that strong, so you're just got a lot of killing time. And that movie tries to do that by filling in backstory that you don't care about, that doesn't make sense, that goes every which direction. So that's my Dude, this point. movie Fluff. is like the antithesis, the antithesis of the first one. You know yeah. what I mean? It does every single it thing really that does. the first one avoided and didn't do, and literally does yeah. it. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it I agree. follows through through tropes. It overutilizes jump scares, stupid fucking jump scares. The the whole plot and the character dynamics, the, the the relationships between each character and Candyman, are completely fucking pointless, to the point to where they there's no point of them being related at all. Annie shares his blood, but that has no value over anything. What the fuck is the point? Well, I guess of they're trying Annie to tie being in. a part of your blood have anything they're to do trying to with tie in that she's actually she's going down as in like Helen like she, since the dad was obsessed with it that she's starting mm-hmm. to follow it too and that's uncovering it you know in real time like she's starting to get obsessed with it too it doesn't work but that is what happens yeah um and you know it's, you wanted to start talking off of your notes because I'm, I'm ready to go into like the second act dude when, like, uh, well i don't want to go starts. every scene but like let's if you we can finish i'll well, we'll end with things that w- that we liked I'm sure it's not a ton. Yeah. But we want to finish with any other things that like, you know, we didn't Yeah, absolutely. Like. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I've been I've been taking oh, no, you're all good. the time. Uh so yeah, we have we talked about the not breakable two way mirrors. <laughs> um I mean, just to go over any other things that I didn't like, I I really think I pretty much hit it all. Um I mean the ending. We got a, a couple there. The very end. Yeah. Can we talk about how Candyman just straight up kills people that don't even deserve to die? Like in regards to they never said his like never said his name. Like who? Never really, you know, did anything. Just because Annie was in the room, he kills them. Well, that's like the first one too though. Remember he's but trying to kill he everyone around once? her. With Bernadette? Yeah, he's trying to kill everyone around her to leave her with nothing basically. Why? Who? What well, death are you talking about specifically? For th- this movie right now? Yeah. Uh, Paul's death. <laughs> Dude, that comes so out of left field. Yeah, Paul's death, and and I and I have a quote from Paul. That's probably my absolute favorite quote from him. Actually, in this entire movie, uh, he says, "Ready or not." <laughs> In, insert insert footsteps. Like, whoa. He you literally hear him in the background go. Whoa. Dude, he's so as he fucking nearly trips, and then like he like to be fair, he's like a he's like a likable character. Really, and, like uh, no. the fucking I two minutes you see him alive before he gets fucking killed by Candyman. They try to make him charming, but really he just they made him 
to the fact where he's just flirting with the mom until you're like, oh, they're together. Yeah, he flirts with the mom, and then when they explore the abandoned house, oh my god, okay, please, Jordan, really quickly, one more tangent, and I promise okay. I will stop, <laughs> yeah. all right? What the fuck is up with the house? What? Why did they leave the house? Oh, Why I did don't they know. move a out? Mansion? Because of Candyman, dude. Well, I guess because the dad, no, dad no, died. No, no, they left the house before the dad died. No, that's when the last yeah. time they were there. Remember no, 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 the no. Flashback. They explicitly said that he went back to the house even after they moved out to go see Candyman, and he died in that abandoned house. What? Yes. No, you're just thinking of the Jordan, slave quarters. I not. I have it written down. Because the flashback with Ethan and coming up to his dad, the house is already vandalized. It's already abandoned, and there's already graffiti all over the place. They moved out of the house before the dad died because Annie says that- But we that, have a flashback yeah, remember, when they're huh? in the house with the mom. I'm sorry? No. When the house is regular. Yeah, with the mom and Annie, they're in their house like 10 years ago or whatever. No, 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 no. That's her apartment. What? That's the mom in Annie's apartment. Yeah. When 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 Annie what what part are you talking about? Because they they never have a flashback of them in the house when it was normal in this movie. What? Now I'm confused yeah. then. I, yeah, no, they and they never say explicitly why they moved out of the house. They just moved out. I hate to buy you on that, but I'm not no, Jordan. I'm dude. I I swear to God, this is real. This is on God, Jordan. I'm not lying. I they do not say anything down. about why because one one very specific line that made me genuinely fucking focus on this so much is that Annie says, "Yeah, all I remember is that Dad went to the house even after we moved out to see about Candyman. What what did he know about that house, Mom?" And she's like, "Oh no, no, no never, never mind. Don't don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. What did he know about the man?" Okay, so they're saying, implying that he moved out, he moved their family out because he was so obsessed with Candyman and knew they'd die in there because of the slave quarters. No, because she, no, because she says no. They don't, they don't imply that at all. And even if that, that would be giving it benefit of the doubt. They literally say that even after he moved out, Dad went back to it. Yeah, but I'm saying they moved out. I'm saying they're implying that they moved out because. Oh of yeah, Candyman. they they moved out. They said that they moved out because of but Candyman. That, that is it. That is the only line we get. Like yeah, even after he moved out, he was so attached to the house. Hmm. Okay, I'll I'll buy you on that. I Jordan, I can literally send you the scene too. The flashback of when he dies. It is the same. It is the same addict that's all graffitied up in that whole like um. No, that, that's uh, the slave quarters. That's where he was died, dead, killed, and they they. No, not the dad. No, he was killed in the attic. No. Yeah, he was killed in the attic, dude. Yo, yes, he was. He was killed in the attic because he died on that like uh, what is it called? Like that not memorial, but what's that like uh. Oh fuck! I'm lo- I'm losing the word. Um, what's like? Uh, I know you're talking the, like the window with candles and everything. What is that called, Jordan? I don't know. <laughs> fuck! It's uh. Oh, okay. Fuck. But you're saying in the attic? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, he died in the attic of the house because that's where the shrine was. The Candyman shrine that was in the attic. What? Why wouldn't the room connecting to Annie's room? Oh, really? Okay. Yes, her dad died in that like attic room connecting to Annie's room. He died in there, and the house was already abandoned and already vandalized because when Ethan goes up to see his father's dead body, there's graffiti all over the place. You literally see, again, sweets to the sweet, and you see the whole art and the paintings on the walls and shit and broken glass and cobwebs. But then what's the significance of the slave quarters then until the very end? Yeah, till, till the very end. No, they bring it up when... 
Paul, the husband of Annie, when they're going to the house for the very first time, he's like, well, at least you got the view in your house. And he looks out the window and he has such a stoic fucking look for literally giggling to himself after a second. <laughs> and he's like looking like almost in fear at this quarter house. And he's like, what is that? And he's like, yeah, uh, me and Ethan were never allowed to play around in the old quarter house. Mom didn't want us to go because later we find out for whatever fucking re Oh, that just opened up a whole new can of worms because. Oh, geez. There, Annie and Ethan's father wanted to stop Candyman, right? Uh, he wanted at different to kill points him, in their him life. Off. That's what they said that he wanted to do. Yeah. Their father tried so hard to locate the mirror of Caroline. Right. Yet, it never occurred to the father. And you know what? This is where I will give the points to the movie because I think the whole twist of why Annie's mom was like why why would you do this why would you do that to him is because they said that their father was suspecting something was up that Octavia was lying to him about Candyman and that when he was trying to find him she did not want any word of him being brought up so she hid the fact that his mirror was in the old quarter house but then why would you not do your research? Because I think they even said he found out that Octavia is the great-grandchild of Caroline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they give all this fucking backstory and lore when literally the dad, instead of saying his name five times, which I don't know why the fuck he did that. Literally don't know why. Again, he believes in the myth, yet he still literally said the name five times. That's fucking stupid. The mirror that he needed to find, because he knew of the mirror. He knew it existed, because the fucking old man house. that Annie goes to. Yeah, he, he goes to the... Yeah, he's like, yeah, he was obsessed with this woman, and she's like, what's so special about the woman? And he's like, oh, not so much the woman, but the mirror she's holding. That is the essence and source of all of his power. Ugh. Jeez, that and, guy gets jacked up. <laughs> Yeah, and if the dad was smart, he would have investigated the slave house because the slave quarter quarters, because you know, if you if you pick up on the fact that your wife is literally related by blood to what was his last name, Daniel, whatever, Robitaille. Candyman, Robitaille. what was his name, Robitaille, Robitaille, thank you, Daniel Robitaille. You would not check the fucking slave quarters that literally they grew I up mean, in. Beyond that, even. I mean, when you buy a house, you like assess everything. Yeah. I mean, you go through the house. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really there was corpses in that house, and I I don't know what that because now we're getting to the ending. But I just wanted to bring that up. The whole house fucking plot contrivance, and then their dad still don't really get it. But I exactly, must have missed something. Because, and the reason why I'm focusing on this so much is because this is what this movie fucking focuses on. Yeah, that's true. All this shit that I'm spewing that is actually pointless to talk about is literally almost the yeah. plot of the and movie. And that's why we praise the first one, because it's so basic. Yeah, short, sweet, does not fuck around. Sweet to the sweet, Tells dude. the story how it is. Yeah. This one throws so much we shit didn't need at that. you. We didn't need the dad. you purposely. We actually could have got all this backstory with that. We don't need the dad. We don't need... Yep. Any, I think the only thing they're trying to do is trying to like use them also as a device to like, oh, because we got to kill everyone around her that's close to her so she'll join Candyman so we'll kill our whole family that's like the only thing I think of why they're using it because you don't need any of them honestly or you could have one of them pick one <laughs> and then okay yeah. but because yeah all the backstory for each of them 
not it's fluff all just time filler like I shit you not Ethan as a character he literally like if you take him out the story is not at all affected at all I mean if you take any of them out you can easily close the loop like no problem but like you said it would probably be a 30 minute movie if you actually but like I could see how the mother plays a role in this movie obviously Annie plays a role in this movie everyone else is so irrelevant to the plot like her husband Paul the two detectives, Ethan, their father, Matthew, literally her mom, the old dude that knew her father, that helped tried hunting Candyman, and fucking Candyman. Those are the only fucking like four characters that. Which, if you think of the first are, one, there's only like four characters, really. Yeah, you know, there's only ten. Uh, they just really try to take just, themes I mean, of the first one, like, oh, we'll have the white girl damsel in distress. We'll have the kid, mm-hmm. you know, the young kid. We'll have the, you know. Yeah. So there's just a, there's themes they're trying to hit. It doesn't work. It just does not. Yeah, and like the cast of this movie can literally be just fucking dropped down to four, and you get the same plot in a quicker and more fucking well paced, just collective story. Like, everything in this movie is fluff and just confusing, like, artificially fucking bullshit confusion. Well, let's get to the ending. Oh, please, let's do I, I'm ready to talk about this. Yeah. Because there's an iconic quote, and I was I was a little bit disappointed. I, I laughed pretty hard. I was really sad that Tony Todd did that. Um, Which part? So yeah. you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I've been talking for way no, too much. No, go ahead. <laughs> Hit me with it. Oh, okay. All right. So... You know, we're at the final act. Um, and you know what? Okay, can I just say too, I mean, real can, quick? When the yeah, woman detective sees a ghost basically killing this guy from whatever groin to gullet. No, he witnesses apparently a very young white girl throw a dude so no, she knows hard she doesn't. Steel no, sheet. no, the, the female detective. She sees her detective. Like partner oh, get, get ripped gouged from the back. Yeah, by a ghost, by no one. So you wouldn't be like run. This would no longer be handled just by you. You'd be calling up the CIA. You'd be calling up like the UN. Like thank you, you have video thank proof you. of like a paranormal entity murdering someone or telekinetic powers or something. Like now this goes above your head. It's not like oh we'll just handle this in house. Me and my my cops I got underneath me. No, no. This is going no, straight to like, the top. I shit you not. She tells nobody, does not show anybody any of the fucking surveillance. And I want to go into Ethan's death because... Oh, f- what did I do? <laughs> yeah. No. See, it, it makes a little bit of sense why he was shot. But if you... As a fucking... Jordan, you are a living, breathing human being, right? You have blood flowing through your fucking veins. Your heart is pumping that blood. You have sentience. You're a fucking living creature, right? Sometimes. Sometimes? So, imagine this, right? Wacky little thing. You're working in an office. You see this fucking dude get chucked out of a window with his fucking spine ripped out. Lands right in front of your desk. What? And, and, and all you knew is that there was two guys in there. Are you seriously going to fucking believe that some... 
five foot eight ginger fuckhead really <laughs> ripped out a guy's spine, threw him out of a fucking window, and then is running away like, oh, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's that adrenaline, you know, like moms when they're under stress, they can like lift a car if their child underneath the car, you know, maybe yeah, that just that surge, man. He has got that. Eh. Yeah, but like, okay, so think of it like this: you're a cop, and you're like, oh, fu-. like, okay. Even if you're the most fucking brainstem active police officer in New Orleans, you're running in there with the gun and you're like, all right, this detective just got thrown out of a fucking window. His spine's eviscerated. He's literally gutted from the back. Yeah, let me open the door and confront this dude. Well, I could, I could see that opening the door. Yeah, like, because fuck it, regardless, you got to do it. Regard, you got to do it anyways, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you have to go in, you have to assess the situation. If that dude had so much power and if he was such a threat, if they genuinely thought that he fucking killed that detective, why would he run away? Like, if you even thought for a second, if he did that, what would have stopped him from just fucking doing the same shit to you? He was literally just running away. I, but I, but see, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I can understand high, high stress situation, shoot him, he's gone. But if, if Candyman didn't fucking kill the detective in such an over the top fucking radical way, like, imagine, like, they see, like, blood, like, spray against the window, and, like, you see the body slump back, and then they go in, and then he's running away. That's believable. But getting thrown out of a fucking window and, like, just gore leaking from his back? Dude, come on. Yeah. No fucking human being can do that. Well, he has out that ginger rage, dude. And Candyman's I, a big fan so. of Chuck in so. this movie. I guess so. I guess in New Orleans, gingers are high-class enemies. Dude, Candyman loves chucking people. He chucks him straight out the window. Yeah. He also chucks... Um, Thibodeau, the guy that sells the yeah, thing, Dude, he chucks him straight through a wall where his head pops out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the fucking Detective Ray, that fucking cockhead thinks that she did it. What the fuck are you on? What are you smoking, dude? It's literally a fucking no offense, it's a tiny little white girl. A very a very cutesy white girl. You really think that she's gonna fucking mal like just fucking melt his face. And, and throw, then throw him through a, him through a fucking wall. Through a wall, head first. Head first through a wall. Looking goofy, by the way. He looks like a fried turkey. <laughs> well, he really and, uses and the like, bees oh, as a power cool. too in this movie. I noticed. Dude, yeah, the like the the kills are so over the top. I don't even see how you could blame that on a human being. I mean, but that's you kind of want end. them to be humanistic in that sense. That's how he frames oh, Helen. Yeah. Like, you know, you want uh, you brutal maybe, but. Like, because mm-hmm. brutality is impossible, <laughs> you know. Yeah, not <laughs> thrown head fair, first through wall. That's Jason stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, and to be fair, I was kind of really wanting, and and it's not even like I hate Paul as a character, but I really wanted Candyman just as he like kind of, pardon me, as he let him kind of fall and get slowly cut in half, which is really brutal and a really good kill, by the way. Even though it was so fucking like not needed. Who? Paul, the the husband. Oh, Danny. gotcha. Yeah, as, as he kills him, I thought that was a cool death. But I thought it'd been a lot cooler if, like, when it kind of reached to his like chest, he just fucking ripped up and like split him in half. I thought that'd been really dope yeah. as like a kill, and I would have liked that because I'm like, all right, that's like creative enough, but it's so over the top. But I'm willing to let it go. Like I, I would like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that part is uh, 
definitely surprising, but it goes back to the part where we were saying where, like, obviously, I mean, if you're throwing people headfirst through a wall after letting the bees sting them, like, you, this guy's got a yeah. lot of rage, obviously. Like, this is a rageful spirit. But then you also have him as, yeah. like, this sad, romantic, like, uh, I don't even know, just, like, this dramatic character at the end. Like, he's just a sad guy, a sad boy. You know, that it doesn't yeah. really match up. <laughs> it's real sad boy hours in New Orleans, dude, yeah. apparently. So, uh, that, that doesn't really make sense. And yeah, why would he be crazy. that rageful Again, at like a guy like Thibodeau? All over the place with Candyman. Like the detective or but, Thibodeau, why would all of his rage be centered on them? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. And that's the thing in this movie, he literally kills people that are just they're they're genuinely just unrelated. <laughs> that's to, true. The detective is know, unrelated. Being a victim, there, there's no point. Like Unless you're literally needlessly killing. They're trying to do the fake, like, and they kind of are in a terrible way. They're trying to do like the fake thing of hell and how they're killing people around the character so it looks like they did it yeah but he's doing it yeah. to both the brother and but it the, fails the, so bad because it's like you you this movie is so bad at portraying what we're trying to soften the blow of like we're it, it's almost like we're trying to make the excuse of yeah he's killing these people needlessly so he can pin it on the character so then that way they're motivated to join him but i can guarantee you they probably weren't even fucking thinking about that for the movie because they the first thing they were thinking is we need to get kills we need to make this a slasher we need this bitch to sell yeah well they're just using similar themes of like exactly yeah they're just throwing things the in first one but not like but they're regurgitating it in such a fucking piss poor way that it loses all meaning it loses all for sure purpose behind it because in Every Candyman kill in the first one, which there weren't many, I think only six kills, right? I thought we had like Including four. Including Helen at the end? I thought we had like four or five. Four or five, yeah. Four or five of those deaths had a reason to it. They There was a genuine reason to why he did it. And that, again, played to his character of like this mysterious, you know... Uh, well, each one builds you know, the dread too, for sure. It builds exactly it builds yeah. like the the dread, like you're really sucked in. But we got to hit this yeah. ending. Yeah, no, let, let's get this ending, bro. So, you know, they get to the slave quarters. All right. Oh yeah, and I remember why I went on that whole house tangent is because we find Matthew when Annie goes back to the house mm-hmm. randomly after she takes a shower in some stranger's apartment. By the way, <laughs> which I actually wanted to say that was a scene I really really liked when Candyman was following her. In this very like collective calm, walking through the crowd, passing by people, I liked that a lot. I, and that just might be me being biased because Tony Todd looked fucking badass. But I really liked that when she was freaking out and like this hysteria, she's passing by all these like costume people and she's like just scared out of her fucking mind. And you just see Candyman standing there, so fucking stoic and just walking slowly towards her. Yeah, I thought that was a really good scene. I like it. That that scene I really did like. So that was a plus for me for this movie. One of the few. So she, you know, runs through the crowd, goes into a random person's apartment, by the way, because fuck it, whatever. She takes a shower, calms down, then runs back outside, goes to the old house. She meets up with Matthew because he disappears in the movie again for no reason, draws a couple more pictures of Candyman, and then she's like, Matthew, I need the mirror. Come on. And then they go to the slave quarters, and what do they do? They they try to find the mirror. As they're going downstairs, you know, Annie put on a couple of pounds when, I guess, banging Paul or something. She's pregnant. I guess she broke the staircase. Is That's that what we find out? I thought he mentioned it earlier, but I couldn't remember. 
Was that the first time I mentioned it? Like, was that supposed to be the big reveal? Like, and your child. He, he, um, hints at it when he first arrives at Annie, because apparently he literally waited for her and Paul to have sex to then be like, "You're carrying something for me." Like that's the first time they did. (laughs) Yeah, so he does that. But the second time he visits her, I think it's when she has that dream of her mom. And she's like outside of the patio and looks back into the mirror. I think that's when he refers to you cannot escape. Like you have the choice. You are growing something inside of you that is like not your choice or whatever. Right. And that's like kind of the, all right, like she's pregnant with a child, yada, yada. So we go back to the slaves quarters. She goes down the stairs. The stairs breaks. That's when we get to like the final boss room. <laughs> it's literally a boss arena almost. As she <laughs> yeah, gets up and she notices the mirror against the wall. She goes to grab you it. You see like that fake skeleton then, hand dropping down at one point? <laughs> yeah, Ooh. that point. Yeah, that, here, let me, actually, let me check which one that was. Let me see which jump scare. I think that was, jump, yeah, jump scare number I, nine. That's not a jump scare though, was it? It was just a hand Yeah, because it did the whole, the fucking bird effect. Oh, you heard the cue? I shit you not. You can count the fucking jump scares by the fucking bird. Dude, I'm going to have to find a scene on YouTube and just find that noise and like plug it in. I got you. After this episode, I will fucking show you every single timestamp of a jump scare. Gotcha. I have it written I down. I should put it like as a super cut of all nine times at the end of this. Oh, hell yeah. That would be so fun. You know, it'd be like, these are the scariest parts and farewell But just the, the noise. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's literally just birds fucking chirping. So... Do you want to take over? Do you want to start talking about the ending when Candyman approaches? Well, yeah. Him? Well, I just want to talk about sp- certain parts of it. Like the one thing, like you said, the mirror yeah. is the source of his power, and he says that specifically the worst, the terrible. Yeah, this and it sucks because the ending of the film is, I feel like, the worst fucking writing for Candyman. This, literally, the final act, the final fucking battle, literally the final fucking battle. I feel like ruins Candyman in this movie. Like the character in this movie is fucking ruined because his death effects were rough. (laughs) They are. It it gave me Hellraiser vibes. I don't want to dog on him too much for that because I mean we're working with '95 CGI, but dang, I I feel like you should have done practical effects. Well, practical effects, I feel like for the most part were all good, except for like when his hand came off. That one scene that you were talking about earlier, um, with. Um, the close-up on the scratch on his uh, face. Yeah, that's some of the things that worked for me section, for sure. What's up? That worked yeah, for Yeah, I really like that. She scratches his face, yeah, the I, bees come d- out. I'll be honest. That was another very, very iconic scene in this movie. I will say that shot of Tony Todd looking at Annie with the bees on his face, I felt that, that, that that's almost kind of like an iconic Candyman. When you think of Candyman, I think of that scene. Really? Him, yeah, him looking out with the bees across his face and just that, like, stoic. He's so stoic in this movie, which is, like, really bad. I just thought it was great effects, the bees, and the it was gruesome with the nails clawing through it. Yeah, and then I thought to myself, like... And he's bleeding he bees. But, <laughs> but again, And the blood I, I, I spits out onto her face, too. Yeah. That was pretty normal. fucking, like, <laughs> spits it out and shit. People get bees in their mouth a lot in this. Well, I say a lot, but literally only two people. Yeah, I'm just trying Annie to finish and, uh, this ending scene because I, I want to finish at least on a positive of things that I think worked that we haven't covered. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to get into the positives no, well, eventually. Yeah, I'm just saying like, with the ending. What Do you have anything else you want to cover about the ending? I'm sorry. What was that? What do we want to cover? With the ending. Do you have anything ending? else we want to talk about with the ending before we finish with things that work? Yeah. Uh, before we finish with things that work, yeah, uh, I'll go back and just say that, uh, and I and I took this for quote in the movie. So when Annie goes to finish off Candyman, 
uh, right before Candyman's death, he says, you no longer have a choice. You are mine. A second later, and he tosses that bitch, throws the mirror, breaks it. And Candyman, and I quote for quote, says, no! (laughs) And then dies. Ouch. Are you out of your fucking mind for someone so poetic? I know. He lost that. To go out like, because it was, because he he's always saying this. Like in, in both films, he's always like, you know, you have the choice. And then towards the end, he's like, you have, you no longer have a choice. You are mine. They lost his voice in this one. Like the whole. Yeah, he lost his influence. Crazy. And the mysteriousness of what he's saying. You're kind of deciphering it. And like the metaphor, all that is gone. He just, yeah, and by the no. time where he's literally appeared in front of her talking like a person, like, uh, so mm-hmm. out of it by then. Yeah, that 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 genuinely put the final nail on the coffin for me with Candyman because just the poetry fucking died in this movie, and that's poetic to say, dude. That's facts. Yeah, the, the literally the poetry in this at the end just gone, literally. Pretty gone. much and only it, talked poetically in the first one for the most part. And he didn't oh, yeah. even really talk that much. It was always like subliminally he was like talking to her. Yeah, everything he said like carried meaning. It it had, you know, it had texture. You know, it had value to it. It's almost like in this, let's just say poetry and make it sound profound. But also just talking regularly. Yeah, just talking. Dramatic. Just talk, talk. I mean, he's a fucking amazing guy to talk. Like just yeah. hearing his voice. Is I feel like they lost but, a little bit of the power of his voice too. Like the actual effect of his voice. I think they regained yeah. some of it in the end, but there were parts where like this doesn't sound like it wasn't like the same booming. Like they lost the actual effect to his voice too. Yeah, no, the the emphasis and yeah. you know, the power he held is just literally gone. And so just that that was like the last thing I wanted to talk about yeah. when he gives that whole "You no longer have a choice. You are mine." Smashes the mirror. No. <laughs> Like, what? Just the mirror is a source of his power. That seems like the corniest, like, straight-to-movie yeah. 90s thing. Like, the mirror it's was the source. Like, goosebumps. Dude. Like, the mirror was the source of my power. <laughs> That's... But, you know, give or take... Like, way to just destroy There's a third movie. I don't know what it's about. Ugh. But because I know that there's a third movie, the whole fucking mirror gimmick is gone. Like, what Or the they fuck? have to use okay. it now. Huh? Or they have to use the mirror now. Like now, I just have to find the mirror. It's gonna be because I've never seen the third one. The so, gets smashed. um, but yeah, or I might. Want to go into things we liked about it now? Yeah, <laughs> I'll just finish. Right I mean, I actually cover. I think for the most part, I um covered it. Oh, I mean, we do have to. We have to say there's one more part with the ending because that isn't officially the ending. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because we go bold choice. We go forward in time, like four or five years, to where Annie's daughter is born. Oh my like, fucking god! Bolt. Yep. <laughs> what a choice there. Now, okay, but there's parts of that I actually like though. So that does tie into the ending and things I like because, um, she named her Caroline, which I thought was cool. You didn't have to flash forward probably to cover that, but also that she's presenting like Daniel Robitaille's history and her family and that is a person and like the story like she's teaching her about it that's cool but also doesn't that actually continue the lore of Candyman it continues the story so she's actually 
doing a bad thing, but it's still a cool thing that they included. Um, exactly, because I thought that was really kind of almost in a weird way profound for Annie's character to kind of understand and have that sympathy because she was his witness. It just doesn't... I, I, that seems like a Helen move, actually. But exactly, the fact exactly. that all it took... I feel like this movie disregards the relationship between Helen and Candyman. Well, no, they just tried to plug it in as if she was Helen too. So, because Helen, I feel like, would have done that because she really exactly, felt yeah. it and you felt the, the misery and you went along for the ride with her. Whereas with this... Yeah. You don't get she feel feels so instead of her learning along the way and hearing all these stories and then finding out the truth, all it is is at the end you have this like little dramatic piece of him saying like this is what they did to me and then it's like, Oh, I understand now. Which was so much worse than finding out solely along with the audience and the character. So I just felt like that was a total it was a cool move, a total Helen move, but didn't match not a fucking Annie move, yeah, no, for real. And like that, what what I mean by like they root, like they just disregard the relationship is that they just give all that character building meant for Helen to Annie, and it's like, no, dude, like yeah. you do so, again. It's one step it basically forward, two steps back, which erases all of that. Then, yeah, yeah, because all of that is meaningless, a hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. All of the first one is meaningless. Actually, this is more important. It's saying, actually, this is more important because this is his actual bloodline. such a fucking spit in the face. Like, Cabrini Green doesn't really matter. Oh, he just died there. But, like, this is actually a family, his bloodline. Yeah, that's... (laughs) What a fuck. I like it. Because, like, again, conceptually interesting, but it's such a cop-out way to try to gather more vitality or more importance to a character that we're nowhere near as attached to as we are with Helen. Yeah. It's like artificially trying to make us sympathize. Well, that's why root for I call character. it BS. Because do that little, do a breakout story, do New Orleans, whatever. That do a stupid cheesy sequel thing, but don't introduce backstory and all this other back stuff. Yeah, don't retcon the original and work. Make a bad movie. I think that's terrible. Um, I do like too when Annie's like after she escapes, after she kills Candyman or whatever. She's just like still dirty. Like she probably just escaped. She's with Matthew. She's at the church. And this is why I'm like, wow, maybe the religious themes were supposed to be really important because he's doing, he's like blessing them, as if that yeah, clears. Because anyway. apparently, like they had sins or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's literally because it was what like ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. Isn't that literally like repentment or something? I don't know specifically what it was, but it was some kind of like blessing thing. I, like, know, hey, you just fair, showed up with my I, lost I son. Looked that up. I'm gonna take but, my son home. Like, this is big. Maybe I can't do the sermon today because my son I've been missing for days just showed up and he's like all right I'm gonna bless you see you later and she walks out hand in hand and they're like peace enjoy church nerd and they're walk off like to go get yeah, ice cream walking off as they're all gonna have church and it's like okay why are you just taking his son like you like your son has been gone for three days yeah why are you letting this random woman granted she found him I could still if it was a week later cool but we know it's not because her face is all dirty like she just they went straight to church after this yeah, she's like a fucking mud goblin. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. And interestingly enough, that was actually a racist term in uh, Dana Robitaille's time. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I, I can see it, man. Okay. The connections are all there. So, did work. Let me see what else I got. Yeah, let, let's start talking about the positives. I mean, I, I, I did, stuff that I did say like. most of it. Like I said, with the, the backstory actual scene, um, the New Orleans, I feel like they really tried to ingratiate you into it. 
Uh, yeah, I, I felt creatively that was definitely a good direction to go. Mm, I didn't really I like it. What, but what really ruined it for me was, was like the retconning aspect of it, the retcon nature. Of I it, didn't like New Orleans to, at to all. I just liked they did do, they did try to do it justice by making you feel like you were in New Orleans. I think going to New Orleans was a stupid decision, but at least they did do that part right over. They tried to make okay. you feel like yeah. you're in it. Um, the, the, the well, I'll say that for our best kill. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> I've pretty much covered it all, and then the the flashing forward with the daughter part good and bad yeah did you like that 10th jump scare at the end (laughs) uh that's don't say that oh well here i wouldn't call that a jump scare but i will say she shouldn't just no she didn't say don't do that she covered her mouth and say let's go to sleep did she oh i thought she said what are you doing don't do that oh she should have said don't you ever fucking say that name again you we do not need a third fucking movie i swear to god do not say shit i she Dude. should have scarred her for life instead of just covering her mouth and said, Go to sleep. Like, um, you really know if put, she like, says it another time. She should have chucked glass in her mouth and just fucking start whacking her in the head. Just be like, Shut the fuck like, up. Like, you know just you really all die, right? So why would you not give her a little bit more pressure on n- never saying that again? Why teach her that? Why would you fucking go out of your way to teach her what that is? She's like four or five. How does she know Candyman? Well, because she's going through the picture book. But yeah, she never had to say yeah, tell again, her what yeah, that why was. Why would you teach your child that? Granted, you want to yeah. teach them the history. I guess she thinks she really killed him, but that's pretty stupid for someone who now knows that like there's alternate dimensions and people live on after their deaths. You might want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he might be able to come back. But oh shit, is that really what it, uh, that's like meant to be? Alternative dimensions? No, I'm just saying With death or just what what she would know, what she would like. Yeah, collect you'd believe like a little bit more. Like, hey, movie. maybe you could come back. Maybe I shouldn't teach my daughter, who is probably at a rebellious age. So if you tell her not to say it, she's going to keep yeah, saying it. So you five, just yeah. don't mention Candyman ever to her. You can mention the name Daniel Robitaille. You know his name. Dumb, dumb. Yeah, you know, fucking humanize. The I digress. Don't call. Are we ready? Like you're disrespecting. You know? Are we ready for our? Final thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm ready. Let's do it. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. All right. Lightning round. Well, we got. Ooh, all right. Um. Would you say this movie was scary right now or when you're 10? I will tell you right now, it is scary, but for literally all the non-horror reasons. Uh, I think, to be fair, if I were 10, the jump scares would get me. But would I find it scary, scary when I was 10? No. It it would just get me and be like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. And like, I could still see it being scary when I'm 10. Yeah, I think so. Now, obviously, no. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, granted, when I was ten, jump scares were the scariest thing in my life. So you know, I, I'm probably I'm gonna I'm gonna do a farewell to the flesh. I'm gonna fucking retcon my answer. I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna be like, yeah, it'd probably be scary when I was ten. Yeah, I don't even really think there's jumps. I don't think we have the same uh, definition of what jump scare was. I didn't really feel there's that many. There's a few. Well, because all of them aren't scary. None of the jump scares are scary. They're just literally loud noises that occur. For no reason, 
Yeah. I mean, the jump scares probably wouldn't have got me when I was 10, but definitely a killer with the hook. Even in the, I wouldn't have cared about the story. It still would have got me because Halloween, like four, was still scary to me. And that's like, it's not like the story is great. Yeah. Um, IMDb rating is a 5.3, which is surprisingly high. Wow. Yeah, there's some really decently high. I mean, actually, Rotten Tomatoes is more on par with what I would think, where the critics are 25%, the audience is 30%. I was just surprised. Like, there was good. I was even reading written reviews. IMDb, I was like, it's, like, surprisingly good. They, like, don't. And I, I had looked at them before I rewatched this movie because I didn't remember pretty much most things until I actually watched it again. So I was surprised. It was what, way higher. What were the positives in this? Like, did you ever, did you catch any reviews saying like what they thought was good about it? <sighs> I don't remember, but uh, they just yeah, really that, just said like. interesting just to look at, dude. I got to go check that yeah. out after this because I want to know what the fuck people were watching because they were not watching what I watched. They just said it was like a good spiritual sequel and stuff, but I don't know. What's your rating on this one? Dude, this is, this will probably be the lowest fucking rated thing I've ever had. I'm going to give this a three. All right. I personally think that the reason why it's nowhere near lower is because although I really have, you know, gone hard on it and really kind of shit on it, I do think that there were themes and there were plot points that were definitely interesting. There was definitely, there was potential and what really just upset me is that all that potential was just dropped by convoluted, confusing, uncollective writing. I feel as if if they really tried harder to, you know, make the story more like the original, not to copy it, but to just, you know, give it the respect it deserves from the original to not to bolster it and change it into such a slasher film because it just does not work because the first one had such a message to it. It was extremely poetic, very metaphorical. And I feel like as a sequel to something so profound, it's very disrespectful, but there were themes that I did appreciate in this that I actually did like. So I'm not going to go any lower than a three, but that's where I stand on this movie. Okay. I like it. I I, I don't I do not think I could say it better. I mean, that's pretty much. I don't. The only thing I will say, I mean, I'll, I will give it a rating of three point five for pretty much okay. all the ratings. I don't think it was intentionally disrespectful. I will say, like, oh yeah, well, like uh, I feel like certain elements. I mean, because it's not trying to be disrespectful, right. but how they treated it was disrespectful. You know what I mean? I just think, given this might be rude or. I don't know, but like I just think, given what they threw at it, meaning like the director, they and the writing, they literally just this was they delivered what they were gonna deliver. If that makes sense, like they, uh, it's only different. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like basically, they were given a script, and the higher ups were just like, push this out, make this kind of movie. Uh well yeah I mean for it to get funded in the first place yeah, yeah. um I think they it, it's they just probably further 
got out of like because Bernard Rose was only going to give them so much because he didn't really want to give them any slasher aspects and he had to kind of kowtow a little bit to the producer's directions to get it released to add those slasher aspects but for the sequel to get it approved and a different director they could basically just dictate what they wanted to get this movie made the producers to director aspect and this is me just guessing but uh, I think they gave the movie they gave the sequel what uh, they threw the talent at it that would make this kind of movie if that makes sense you know they didn't I don't think they went and found some hot shot you know director and you know stunning ensemble team to make the actual spiritual sequel to this movie they just threw exactly. some at the wall to make some money and did, like I said, it's this is Jason Six. You can definitely <laughs> tell that by some most of the actors in this movie. I actually do like, like a lot of the acting choices, but I mm-hmm. think they thought this would do well, and technically it did do well because th- just from the opening weekend alone, it definitely did better than the first one. So uh i would also uh, be curious to see what the marketing was back then for this movie because for it to have such a strong opening weekend they must have really been marketing it as a slasher too yeah so i think not having bernard rose was the biggest loss to be honest well because i i think when i was researching this they actually turned down his original script for this movie. yeah i did see that that's crazy and it makes me wonder. I love the idea too. Did you read what it was saying? I love this I, I idea. I don't think so. All, all I read was that Bernard Rose attempted a script and they shut it down like after reading it once. What what was it? What was the concept? Well, I just have the very basic that it wasn't going to mm-hmm. include Tony Todd, but it was going to keep exploring the nature of urban horror myths. Oh, yes. Okay. Which I now, love I, I this idea and it's such it, yeah. a loss. Because it'd be like an mm-hmm. anthology. Just like how Halloween, John Carpenter, another amazing director, wanted to go off and he wanted to just make it a, an anthology every year, a different Halloween story, like with Season of the Witch. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, And the producers wouldn't approve it because why? They said people want to show up for Candyman. They're not wrong in that sense in terms of making money, but gosh, for horror overall, for Bernard Rose, what he would have done, man, we really missed out on that an anthology like yearly yeah. and I, that's the problem you can't make an amazing first movie that features a killer without now every you can't make an anthology you can't change the story at all now you're just stuck with this character just lore forever which is unfortunate yeah i mean lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place like what you're trying to do the type of impact you're trying to make with the second one as much as the first one did, you're just not going to be able to recapsulate that. Which sucks. Because then you're yeah, just, you just have to keep raising the stakes. You have to raise the kills. You have to raise the campiness, the humor. Like exactly. You just have to go bigger and cartoonish on every time, which is unfortunate. And uh, I think Candyman is one of those examples of ones that uh, the first one's so amazing. And then it quickly tries to, like, I, it jumps like six sequels with even the second one then it just burns out so fast until we get the new one which we'll definitely do episode on but it it burned out so fast it didn't even get past three which is unfortunate and i and i and i hate saying this 
but because I should have honestly respected it more, briefly talking about it, the newest one that came out, I feel, is a far more better continuation of the story. I I feel as if that the new one that came out was a very, very... I just don't think it doesn't do disjustice to it. I don't know if it's not a continuation as much... A little bit. I mean, they keep... It's like a reboot. Like, they keep the lore of the first one. You know, it's not so much... Yeah, it's not a continuation, but... In in any regards to make another Candyman movie, I feel as if that was a far more respectable... Yeah. ...story than what we got in Farewell to the Flesh. But you know what? They're in the same position they're in again because... You can't do Candyman 2 after this next one because it'll fall into the same trap, I think. Oh, no. We're going to get a remake of uh, Farewell to the Flesh. I did kind of skip just because we're running so long on time. I can read off these uh, quick facts that uh, yeah, go ahead. Mrs. Toronto, Octavia Tarrant, uh refers to her physician really quickly as Dr. Oh, Loomis, I yeah. which I did not catch. I thought she said Dr. Lewis. <laughs> Obviously, if I heard yeah, Loomis, same. I would have known, but I thought it just said Lewis. <laughs> Uh, which makes more sense because it's only mentioned once and it makes no sense why they even bring it up. It's actually a kind of a terrible not even Easter egg or whatever because she just says it like, what would your doctor think of this? Dr. Lewis, what does he say? And that's it. So kind of dumb. <laughs> um, Tuesday night from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Infamy, uh, reported to have turned down the role and she claimed it was the only horror film she regrets turning down. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about the poster that was used to advertise it. Uh, during the time this came out, O.J. Simpson trial was like public and a huge deal. So the picture of a black man stalking a white woman was seen as controversial, and the original yeah, artwork... Not, not good timing on their part. Yeah, it was quickly changed, which I don't know if that's the artwork I had. I don't... I mean, it looks like the girl, uh, Annie... It's just a portrait of her, like, surrounded by bees, right? Yes, but Tony Todd's still surrounding her, so. That's not bad artwork, though. Yeah, it's probably just a a little bit of a small, tweaked version of it, maybe. Yeah, but that's all I had. Just some quick, little quick references that I thought were interesting, because you mentioned Bernard Rose having the sequel script, which is the most interesting one, I think. Such a shame. But yeah, we got 3 3.5. Does it make it in the House of Horrors? No. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. Well, I want to, want to keep our house purebred, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say no. Um, just because we, I guess we did really talk about it, but my favorite kill was definitely uh, Thibodeau <laughs> stung and chucked through a wall. <laughs> I love that. I, <laughs> not gonna lie, I think my favorite kill is probably. Hmm. I I'll probably have to go with Thibodeau as well. I, I'm I'm just thinking about all the other kills. His was so. His was the one that actually made me like laugh out loud pretty hard. Like <laughs> it like it was. caught me off guard how fucking com- comedic Ridiculous. that whole fucking scene was. Well, yeah. So if you thought this one was bad, ooh, the next one we're in for a doozy. Oh, and God. I, I I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this. Candyman three. Okay, so I see now. Here's the thing. I don't know whether to keep my expectations extremely low or just go in like maybe they'll fix it i'm, I'm gonna be optimistic about the third me one. too will i regret it probably but i'm, I'm gonna be optimistic i'm gonna be like all right new team new director hopefully fingers crossed i have no idea yet 
I mean, either I and I'm not gonna look till okay. after I watch it. So yeah, I'm gonna straight go into this blind as all can be. I'm just gonna buy the movie, watch it. And oh, you're buying movies now. Piss all over it. <laughs> or are you YouTubing it? Oh yeah, um, YouTube rents baby. I do. I always forget to mention this, and I probably should. That uh, we do have the email house of one thousand. The number uh, horrors at gmail.com. Feel free to email us, especially for suggestions too, because well, we're gonna break off into some one-offs after we finish with the Candyman's. Yeah, guys, please, please. I want a name for all the movie recommendations that we hate. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and at the very least, you could throw a five-star review. That always helps. Oh yes. Eventually, please, we'll please. do socials if one of us has the <laughs> has the, the taters. For yeah, them. but uh, yeah, that's it. Anything else? Oh. No, I think I got out all that I needed. Damn. I feel like you got a few more very, things. Very therapeutic after watching You got some few now. more things to say about Ethan, so. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> I'm going to write a fucking thesis paper on that. Dude, dude. I'm cueing that, the music out now before you go off, dude. I don't know if I recorded yeah, it to handle it. Me it's off, smoking. Dude, get me out of here. The memory card's full, dude. <laughs> all right, see you later. All righty.